Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. Time now for the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Let's get nasty on a Monday. It's a fast lane on 101 ESPN with Kerry Davis and Andrew Marsh. I'm Anthony Stalter. 204, your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. No Jamie Rivers today traveling with the Blues. He will be with us for a couple of hours over the next couple of days. But let's get into it. So, so the conference championship matchups are set. We got to start off with what we saw last. Jim Nance last night, I thought, while he's not a Bills fan... He delivered that last wide right call with enough pain in his voice yeah. that that Bills fans could at least commiserate. And and we, as football fans, who were around to see the Scott Norwood wide right, mm-hmm. knew what he meant. And if you even if you're rooting for the Chiefs, your your heart kind of sunk a little bit on that wide right call. It did. I mean, I felt bad for for Bass. I mean, obviously, you know, that's a that's a moment. He's trying to make the play. He's trying to make the field goal. And it's just it it feels awful for those fans. It kind of feels like football got football fans got cheated because we didn't get to see Patrick Mahomes have a last drive and the Bills be able to try to stop him to send the game into overtime or whatever the case may be. It just was a it was a rough ending to what I thought was a pretty good game. Now, if you are the Buffalo Bills, you got to score a touchdown. You can't lean on your kicker to try to make that play. You have to make make more plays in that final drive. We were talking about it in the office, making sure that you don't give Patrick Mahomes the ball back with much time. I mean, last time he only had 13 seconds in the playoffs <laughs> and they were able to kick a field goal. So you want to make sure you eliminate all possibilities, but you have to end that drive with a touchdown. And they ended it with a field goal attempt that went wide right. And if you're a Buffalo Bills fan, that moment just has to feel – it's just a feeling in your stomach that just probably never really goes away. Yeah. You got the call? Here's Jim Nance, CBS Sports, last night. 44 yards, Bass. No, he doesn't make it. Wide right. Wow. The two most dreaded words in Buffalo. It's that pause, and then he goes wide right. Like It's almost like I have to say this, but I don't want to. I don't want to say it. I don't want to, Buffalo fans. I don't want to have people feeling that feeling that they felt in, was it 1991? Yes. Was it 91? Was it the 91 or the 90? 90. That was the Giants Super Bowl. So it was 90. Yeah. That was the first one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, man. It's an uncomfortable feeling, man. Did it go Giants, Redskins, Cowboys, Cowboys? Yes. Pretty sure. For some reason, I had Washington first. Then it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's not a good feeling, man. No, it's not. And again, we talked about this. Who had the most to prove this weekend? And I told you it was Josh Allen. I just felt like he had he had the most to prove in terms of 
him being an elite quarterback because he doesn't have one of the big awards. He doesn't have an MVP. He doesn't have uh, an AFC championship game win that leads you. And he doesn't have a Super Bowl appearance. He doesn't have a Super Bowl MVP or a championship. He doesn't have any of those, you know, big ticket items that elite quarterbacks have. Yeah. And so it was a real, but he played well. He played extremely well. What you just said there, guys, it's it's one of those deals in life where the older you get, you just kind of come to the realization. Sometimes it's like, yeah, so, yeah, I hear you. But, yep, that's the way it is. If you connect to that last night to Josh Allen, Josh Allen had to be perfect last night. And that's a lot to ask because he did play well. The Bills only punted twice. The fake punt was stupid, but they only yeah, they only it was like a that. bad call. Why were they doing that? They got hey. bailed out by McCall Harbin. Why are you giving him the ball at that spot, the goal line again, Andy Reid? I don't know, but let's push that aside. Josh Allen played it impeccably well last night. He didn't take a sack. He ran around. He made plays. I know he missed Diggs on the one. Yeah. Diggs also could have came up with a big catch earlier in that in that half to to help him. An absolute absolute bullet to. Um, Shakir. Shakir, yeah, thank for you. For a touchdown. For a touchdown. Josh Allen played well, but he had to be perfect. And that's just the bottom line. He had to be perfect. His defense was not going to bail him out. If you're going to pin that, that loss last night on anything, it was a fact, and we talked about it last week, Buffalo was so banged up, it was going to be difficult for them to match up with a Kansas City team that, yes, struggled all year yeah. offensively. It was choppy all year for the Chiefs. They could not get off the field. Even if Tyler Bass makes that field goal. You still got to play defense. You still got to play defense, which they hadn't all night. Yeah. But you're right, Kerry. Allen had to be perfect to win that game. He did. Four minutes off the clock, score a touchdown, and leave Mahomes with no time. That was the mission. But I don't think it was a... Uh, an impossible mission. It wasn't. I no. think that was a mission that he could have done and they should have done. And and that's when you when you communicate, you know, Josh Allen has a go forward gunslinger. I'm going to make the big play mentality. And he threw that ball to Shakir. He got bumped. Chris Jones got pressure on the on the quarterback and, and bumped into him. He couldn't step into the throw. But even if you complete that throw, that's still with like two minutes left in the game and you're giving the ball to Patrick Mahomes. He needs a touchdown. But I don't want that guy to touch the field again with time to do anything because we've seen it in the past. So I think the throw to Diggs would have been the better throw and understanding, having a knowledge of down and distance, time management, knowing where the ball needs to go, who it needs to go to, why it needs to go to them. The whole defense cleared out and Stefan Diggs, who is your best player on the offense, running wide wide open across the middle of the field. You got to get him the ball. It's going to eat up more of that time. And hopefully you don't put yourself in a position to now kick a 45, 40. I don't know how long that, how, how far that field goal was. But it, it, you shouldn't have put Tyler Bass in that position in, in the first place. Well, make the kick, too. Like, let's say it. You make should the damn make kick. the kick. No, make I, the kick. 100%. 100%. But at the end of the day, I don't blame kickers. Because if I'm on the offense, my job is to score touchdowns. Mm. Or at least put it a little bit closer to where he doesn't have to kick it that far in in wind circling and moving and all. Anything can happen. Low snap, low kick, ball gets blocked. It's too many variables to put on a kicker where we're offensively, we're the best thing for us to score points.
Let's do that. My issue was, and Tony Romo mentioned this multiple times during the broadcast, that the the offensive line for the Bills was just bullying the Chiefs' defensive line. They were, and they were running the ball on first down. They were getting like six to nine yards every single time. It seemed like on that final drive when, like you said, Kerry, you would like to kill some clock, yeah. they went away from the run, which was, to me, their bread and butter all game long. Like, Josh Allen, why did he not turn the ball over all that much because he wasn't really throwing the ball for the majority of the game. They were running the ball with James Cook and Ty Johnson, and they were doing a hell of a job at it. Then they sort of got away from that in that final drive because you do want to put the ball in the hands of your quarterback, but I feel like they should have stuck with the run more on that final drive to kill more clock and then eventually go down and score. I thought... For the first time, I thought the Bills, I'm like, this is the game that the Bills win. This mm-hmm. is a game that they feel like the, the energy's there. They have home field advantage. Like, they win this game. And then when it came down to the field goal, I'm like, this guy's he's going to miss this because that is what the Buffalo the Bills. Bills have endured right. in their organization. The fans have endured it. That's what it came down to. And I'm not shocked that he missed the field goal. No, I'm not either because you're right. There is that, that sense of this isn't going to happen. And it also transitions us perfectly into the Chiefs side of things. You, almost, you had that feeling all night. Patrick Mahomes was on his game. Travis Kelsey... I still don't think he's right, and we'll get in. We'll get into this at some point. But Travis Kelsey saved his best game for when they needed it the most. He had a couple of touchdowns and made some big time plays throughout throughout the course of the game, and especially on that first drive in the second half, which I thought set the tone for the entire second half. You go into the locker room, giving up the lead and the momentum. You come out of the locker room, you drive right down the field. How about Marquez Valdez Scantling, who I have ripped. Left and right. He made some big plays. He made some big plays, including on the one that, yep. you know, Diggs doesn't make the, the yeah. difficult catch. Marquez Valdez-Scantling does, where he catches it one hand and kind of pins it up against his helmet and then yep. secures it. The Chiefs know how to win. There is something to that. They know how to win. It didn't matter if they were on the road. It didn't matter if they are at Arrowhead. It didn't matter if they are in the parking lot here at Creve Corps. The Chiefs have, have that ability to know this is our game. We're going to take it. I think I, I, I hear you, but I think that was more about the Bills losing than the Chiefs winning. And I just I just feel Marshy hit the, hit the nail on the head. The way that they were bullying him up front, running the ball, they were having success. Now, they they it slowed down a little bit because James Cook was getting stuffed in the backfield mm-hmm. more times than not in the second half. But then, again, when you go to that, that play to Shakir, that was second and nine. After the two-minute warning, this is coming out of the two-minute warning. This is the play you choose to make. And now you it's an incomplete pass where if you throw it to Diggs, mm-hmm. you're, you're going to get the first down. And Kansas City is going to call a timeout, which now they have zero left. You just, to me, the time management, the ability to, you know, get that message to your quarterback and get, to, get him to understand, yeah, that shot might be there, but this shot will be here. And there's more we can do. Just just keep taking the ball down the field and let's end this game with us scoring the touchdown and with them not getting a chance to get the ball back. Yeah. You're you're not wrong at all. You're right. I mean, it was all in front of Buffalo. They had an opportunity to win the game, to to get over the the 13 seconds, you know, to, to overcome that and all that, and they didn't. I just don't view that game last night. You you had mentioned I thought the Bills lost it more so than the Chiefs yeah. won it. I didn't feel that way about that game the way I did that Packers-Niners game. 
the Packers lost that game. Same thing, They though. lost that game. You, but you, the you 49ers weren't playing well. I thought the Packers were in control. That I didn't think the Bills were ever in control last night. It was back and forth for a while. They didn't make plays defensively. Yeah. I'm just saying, it's just, you know maybe it's semantics at this point. We will get more into that Packers-Niners game. But I thought the Packers, when they woke up last uh, – they, w- they woke up yesterday morning, it's like – Sick. It was right there. Yeah. You absolutely had. You led for 50 out of the. You led for 50 some odd minutes. Yep. I think 53, 53 minutes maybe. Yep. The Packers led. That That's sick. That's unfortunate. All right. We'll get into that. We'll get into the other games too. Ravens look like the best team left of the four to me, but the biggest story might, might be the team in the NFC too with the Lions. What a ride. It has been for Dan Campbell, who I was wrong on. Gladly admit I was wrong on. I was late to the party when it comes to hopping on that bandwagon, but you talk about building a culture. He actually jumped off of it. Don't don't forget that. Jamie shoved me off. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He shoved me off it. It was easy for him to shove me off of it. Uh, But I was spiteful. I was rooting against him for a while. Oh, no. But they're fun. Again, we'll get into that uh, throughout the course of the show today. Blues get it done against the Capitals. We'll give you some observations on their three nothing shutout victory over the Caps. Coming up next here in the Fast Lane on One One ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on One O One ESPN. team with eight power play points to Thomas. He scores! Deflected in front, I believe, by Neighbors on a shot from Thomas. And a power play goal has the Blues up 3-0. 409 to play, period number three. Chris Kerber, voice of the Blues, right here on the Blues Radio Network, 101 ESPN on the call. The Blues shut out the Capitals after losing to the Capitals, which you could basically... You can swap out any opponent, and it just kind of sounds like that throughout the course of the season. Blues lose, Blues win, Blues lose two, Blues win two. It's just kind of how it is. But if we just focus in on this game, perfect. Yeah, I think it was the 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 style of play, the way that they wanted to play. They took a lot of, they had a lot more shots on goal. They seemed to be more aggressive than in games past, and they didn't allow as many shots on goal, which. It's good. The power play scored. They got a shorthanded goal. There were there were so many things to be uh, happy about from that win. I think the frustration is just you can do it. Why not do You've it? You've shown this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you like you said, you just lost to the Capitals a couple of days before that, and you come home and you're able to pick up a three zero win, and you play probably the 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 version of the game that that Craig Berube had been talking about. Drew Bannister has talked about. The entire team talks about. But it's just the inconsistency that I think troubles most Blues fans because if you're inconsistent what is it what's causing it why won't you do it every single night now you're going to have nights where you're tired wore down travel whatever the case may be but the fact that it looks so different from night to night I think is the part the part that's frustrating for Blues fans absolutely uh, to your point though Bennington recorded 18 an 18 save shutout 18 save that's all you had to make yeah fantastic and there was Life's a couple easier. of yeah there was a couple of that there was a couple of giant saves that he had throughout. That's kind of what how you want it to look. He posted that loss to Washington on Thursday, rebounded on Saturday. 
15, 12, and 2 on the season with a 906 save percentage. And now they start a three game road trip beginning tomorrow night in Calgary. Colton Pareko got got things going from a, a scoring standpoint, knocked the one pass down. Yeah. It reminded me of what Jamie Rivers often talks about, which is that when you throw, you know, crumple up a piece of paper and throw it in, it could go go back the other way. And that's that's what happened. Right. Turnover. Pareko slaps that down. Took off. Took off. Yes. Made a great play. He could have he could have dished it out. I can't remember who who was going on that that the left side there. Could have dished it off instead. He went with the wrist shot. Didn't waste an opportunity. Scored. Perfect. Pareko was excellent again. When I first saw it, I thought it was Kairou because I only saw the five. I was like, oh look, Kairou. Was, oh, that's that's cold. He's got those All long right, strides. Like Pareko's right. got those long strides. Get out of there, big yep. fella. But you had another power play go. You the shorthanded goal. So it all looked good. Can they can they continue this momentum? Nah. No idea. Marshy? I mean, their track record would say no. So <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm being serious. Like, I, I mean personally, like I just can't right now get up for this team and really believe that they can string together like five to ten wins in a row. Yeah, why would you? Because they have they not done, done it all yeah. season long. Now things can change and maybe they start playing better hockey, but they have the flames, they have the Canucks, they have the Kraken coming up. Mm-hmm. I don't see them winning three straight against those teams. Now, either. if they do, that's awesome because those are some good teams. Maybe not the Flames as much as the other two, but yeah. But the Flames aren't bad. I but mean, you you have to you have to be the Kraken. You. They're above you in the wild card. Mm-hmm. You, the, the, now we're at the point of the season where you need to start winning these games against these wild card teams because there are teams now that are in front of you for that second spot a week or so ago you were you were only had like one team in front of you yeah now there's like two three four teams in front of you yeah I said this last week and I don't th- I don't think anything changes you still don't know how you win and you still don't know how you lose well I think you know how you lose you lose because you don't play with the the right way with the, the amount of effort and energy that's needed and and you just don't do the minor detailed things. Jamie talks about all the time, you know, chipping the puck in and going and dumping it and chasing it. And, yeah. and at times when they are trying to do too much. I, the thing that, that I will say, you know, in, in any sport, you have if you have superstars, you're allowed to do certain things. There's some things when you're a superstar, don't make that left-handed pass, Patrick Mahomes. Well, okay, you're Patrick Mahomes. Maybe it's okay. Mm-hmm. Like There are some things. Steph, don't shoot that shot. Okay, Steph, shoot the shot. <laughs> like When you are a superstar, you're allowed certain things, and, and you don't have to play all the time within the framework of the game because you're a superstar. God gave you something that he ain't give everybody else. So I can do some things. But when you're not necessarily a superstar, you tend to have to play within the framework of the game and the way that it's laid out for your team, for your teammates, for yourself, by your coaches. And I think at times the Blues get away from the framework that is laid for this team and how it's supposed to be done because, yeah, I can make that play. Can you? (laughs) Can you? Mm -hmm. I got I haven't seen it. There's a clip, uh, one of my favorite clips in the world, Patrick Ewing, when he was coaching at Georgetown. I don't know. Is he still the head coach? I don't know. No. I don't think so. But he was the head coach. He was on the bench. He said, when have you taken that shot? When have you practiced that shot? What are you, that's not, what are you, that's not a shot you take. Yeah. You know why you don't take that shot? Because you can't, son. (laughs) Don't do that. And so when you do things that may not be who you are or what you are, 
it doesn't always work out well. And I think that at times you see that from this Blues team, guys doing something that is not in their repertoire, and now you get a turnover, you get an odd man rush, and it's going the other way, and now you're playing from behind, and that's how it has been at times. To your point, you talk about, and I think of it as like, you mentioned basketball, like hero ball. Yeah. Like you want your best players with the ball or with the puck, like late in games, to make a play and potentially either win it or tie the game, right? Mm-hmm. But I feel like you're seeing that in the first like 40 minutes of the game, like where you don't need them to take over the game right. at that point of the game. And if they do, that maybe they, they end up messing up and they turn the puck over and the, the other team goes and scores. Like I feel like that's kind of what you're talking about, Kerry. Is and we mentioned uh, the word individual contractors. Mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. feel like independent that, contractors. Independent contractors. Yeah. Yeah. I don't feel like that's what this team is now, like what they were a few years ago. Yeah. But it's sort of similar. Similar. Yeah. I don't think they have the same issues as a year yeah, ago. Yeah, I don't um, sure. and, no. and I'm not saying you're saying that, but they don't have the same issues as a year ago. But there, there, there's still that sense that something's missing. Yeah. Something's missing with this Blues team. And if they don't figure out what that missing thing is, then they're going to continue to do what they're doing right now and play 500 hockey and miss out on one of the one of the two wild card spots. Just just play within the framework of mm-hmm. the of the game that is set forth for you every single day. If you do that, you allow yourself okay. a chance to win games and be in games. But you did get a big win this weekend. You have a tough tough couple of days coming up on the West Coast. Yep. So use that game from this past weekend and build upon that and try and pick up a few wins on the road. That's Andrew Marsh. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> I think he was vindicated this weekend on something. We're going to get into that next on 101 ESPN. The smartest way to do your homework is Heckman Lumber. Warm weather means homework for homeowners. And if your homework means a new deck, then turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, trex, evergreen, and azek to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Hackman Lumber is an authorized Yeti dealer and also stocks a large assortment of grills. So celebrate summer with a new big green egg, Weber gas, or charcoal grill, and all of the accessories from Hackman Lumber. Come visit their showrooms in St. Charles, Pacific, and Troy, Missouri, or online at hackmanstl.com. Back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Marsh, as I was watching that 49ers-Packers game on Saturday night, I thought to myself, you know, our guy Marshy, he looks a little bit more vindicated here for the way the 49ers are playing. <laughs> it's a fast line on 101 ESPN. Kerry Davis, Super Bowl champion, I'm Anthony Stalter. And Marsh, you you had been saying, it just, okay, is Brock Purdy just a product of what he has around him? If you take one of those guys out or two of those guys out, what is he? And And I don't know if you and I 
necessarily disagreed as much as I was just saying, you know, Purdy's a perfect spot, is a perfect fit for that system. He's perfect. He Game manager, system, whatever you – I don't care. He operates perfectly within that, within that system. As soon as Debo Samuel got, went out of that game on, on Saturday night, mm-hmm. that 49ers offense looked like crap until the final drive of the game. Let's just let's just say what it is. They had one incredible Christian McCaffrey run, long pause, final drive of the game. <laughs> Brock Purdy looked good for one drive, and the rain and all that stuff. Okay, without Debo Samuel, that offense looked completely different. And Marsh, you've been kind of saying that now for a while. Well, yeah. One, this team always finds ways to get injured. Doesn't matter who it is. They do over the past like three or four years. They find ways to get injured. Um, also, we saw this earlier in the season when they went on a losing streak. Yeah, they didn't have him. They didn't have Debo Samuel. Like they, they were out. Brock Purdy had to do it on his own, essentially. Maybe sprinkle in CMC there, but they were not the same team. So, yeah, I'm surprised they actually won that game. If Jordan Love didn't put a number four jersey on and throw that ball <laughs> up the middle, maybe they end up winning that game, and it's Packers-Lions. Did you guys see the side-by-side? Of it Brad, looked just like it. Brad Favre's final throw as a Viking. Not a great not a great decision. Rolling Except Jordan right. Love didn't have a bounty on his head. He didn't. He had more time <laughs> we, to work with, that too. That we know of. Yeah, yes. That's true. Uh, he had more time to work with, too. Jordan Love didn't have to make that play. I mean, he knew it. He he, he said it afterwards. You know, it's, it's an inexperienced play. That kid has been incredible. But here's the thing. You don't make that play if your kicker makes the field goal. Mm-hmm. Oh, because guess what? Now you're saying make no, the kick. I said it about Tyler Bass, too. But I also said that the, the Bills didn't do enough in that drive to put him in position. That, that was a – this is just elements different – Carlson has missed so many. Anders Carlson has missed 14 kicks now. Extra points and field goals. Like, that's how many kicks he's missed all year. It was one point where they said Matt LaFleur just kind of prays every yeah. time he goes out there that the kick is going to go in. Why the hell does he still have a job, sir? Mm-hmm. There are so many other people. I know you could find somebody that could make a field goal, I'm sure. It's a lot easier than finding a quarterback. But that was – I knew when he missed that field goal – because now the ball is placed where you missed it at. You're giving San Francisco a shorter field. They, 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 they're going to take it down, and they're going to score. And Christian McCaffrey did what Christian McCaffrey does. And as you said, Brock Purdy, that was the best drive he had all day. But they had momentum because instead of being up by seven, Green Bay, now you're only up by four, and they need a touchdown. And they got it. And now it changes your opportunities at the end of the game where you are forcing a terrible pass instead of – Taking what the defense gives you, if it's not there, we go into overtime and we figure this the hell out. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's, it's a different games go differently for different teams. Tyler Bass, terrible. That wasn't great. But Anders Carlson has missed so many damn kicks. Why would, what, 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 it's like almost, if the coach says he prays when the kicker trots out on the field, why in the hell is he still going out on the field? Mm-hmm. So it, it just was a difference for me. And plus, Jared, 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 um, Josh Allen versus, Jordan, uh, Love. Jordan Love. I don't want to call him Bryce Love so bad. Jordan Love. <laughs> Bryce Love. I don't know why. <laughs> Bryce Young, Jordan Love, whatever. I keep calling you Jamie, so I get it. <laughs> it happens. I can't, I'm not going to criticize you. And so instead of the veteran quarterback leading his team down for a touchdown, you got a younger quarterback. I can accept that, yeah. but then the field goal happens, and you put yourself in a position to lose that game. Oh, look, Jordan Love played great. Jordan Love played great. Aaron Jones was uh, was excellent. The, my main takeaway, I don't know how it was for you guys, but my main takeaway after that game, was that the 49ers are in trouble. 
That was my main takeaway. The Packers had the youngest roster in the NFL, or at least the youngest roster coming into the playoffs. This was a coming-of-age team. Oh, yeah. Jordan Love needed to prove himself. First half, Rocky. Second half, outstanding. Goes to Dallas. Lights AT&T Stadium on fire. And then has his team in position to knock off the number one team in the NFC and potentially go to Detroit next weekend, as as we know. But my main takeaway was had had little to do with Green Bay and everything to do with San Francisco. That team is vulnerable. That defense, I don't think, is as good as we we continue to prop it up as. Mm -hmm. You really have Bosa, and that's it. Chase Young is not that great. Chase Young is not seeing consistent double teams. I didn't even know Chase Young was playing. Thank you. Yesterday. Exactly. <laughs> Did you hear his name once? I didn't know he was there. They acquire him. Oh, look at this D line. It's Bosa, and it is those interior guys. But you can throw on that team. You can throw deep on that team. You can get them one on one and feel good about it. San Francisco to me is vulnerable, and if they don't have Debo Samuel. I'll take the Lions. I like the Packers heading into this week, and if it's not for their kicker, Anders Carlson, perhaps they win that game. I look right, whatever. We'll get to prophecies and we'll <laughs> sound good at the time later, but I feel like the Lions can go into San Francisco and, and beat that team. They have, one, I feel like they have America on their side. Right yeah. now, they are America's team. Mm-hmm. And they have a quarterback that's humming. He's playing good football. They have great receivers their defense is stepping up for the most part now their 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 secondary needs some work yeah but without Debo Samuel who you throw to Brandon Ayuk if he's if he is he he what did he hurt his shoulder shoulder. shoulder. he'll probably I mean listen I told y'all there's a needle about that long they stick in your AC joint Mm. get you let's go and then there's another needle going the backside so you want to play professional football, yeah. do you? Let's go. <laughs> Take to it. I'd rather just <laughs> talk about it. The size of my femur. <laughs> yep. Shut it's up. Going right in your shoulder. Take it. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I think these, I think these, these championship matchups are going to be very intriguing. That one, though. I mean, again, I came away thinking whether it's the Bucks or Lions that win tomorrow. The 49ers have have some issues here, and really, all the teams I think are vulnerable. There's one where I'm like, not so much if it was the Bucks. Not so much if it was the Bucks, but. Okay, but here, think about this, though. I had that thought on Saturday night. Mm-hmm. If Tampa went into Detroit and beat them and beat Man. Detroit, I think we would say, all right, the 49ers, their, their problems still exist. So that's oh, yeah. kind of where I was looking looking at it from. And I, and I don't know. I, there was an interesting stat that that was Kyle Shanahan's first win when they were down by five points in the fourth quarter. Yeah, he was 1 for, 30. He was 0 for 30 prior to that win. Right. That, to me, is astounding. Mm-hmm. It, that's who you are. Yeah. And so if Dan Campbell and those guys can get a lead going into the fourth quarter, be up by 10 points, be up by two touchdowns, they're probably going to win that game because it just changes. The The offense is based off of San Francisco's offense. It's based off of being able to run the ball and play action and boot and get your quarterback on the move and get receivers moving. If he has to drop back, which he had to do a few times in that Packers game mm-hmm. and throw the ball on time, it's not the same. It's not gonna. It's yeah, not gonna. He be did great. not get into rhythm until that yeah. final drive. I almost texted you and said, "This is the this is the recipe. This is what we talk about when they when the Forty ers were losing in the middle of the season, and we're talking about why it was because they they did not have leads. It exactly plays into what you're what you're talking about, Kerry. And that was a recipe for disaster for the Niners. And the Lions start fast. Every game that I've watched, first drive, they're getting some 
some type of points. I know yeah. yesterday they got a field goal, but they're they're close to scoring touchdowns, and we've seen Dan Campbell go for it too. Mm-hmm. I wonder since with the Super Bowl on the line, is he going to be aggressive? If they get will. down in the I red don't zone, think he cares. I, I think don't he think will. Cares either, yeah, I think, I he, think will he will. Too. What yeah. do they have to lose? Yeah, they're they're already. They're, they're not the supposed Lions. to be here. They're not supposed to be here ever. Like the exi- ever Bob, ever Bob, in <laughs> ever Bob. What's trending is next in the fast lane on one hundred and one ESPN. We're right back to the fast lane podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on one hundred and one ESPN. It's time to find out what's going on in the sports world with What's Trending Now. Brought to you by Goodwill. Donate a car and get tickets to the St. Louis Cardinals. Welcome back to the Fast Lane here on 101 ESPN with Anthony Stalter and Kerry Davis. I'm Andrew Marsh, and it's time for What's Trending. Guys, I was watching the game last night, the Chiefs and Bills game. I'm sitting on my couch, and I'm thinking, man, this reminds me of Tom Brady going up against Peyton Manning for all of those seasons, right? Mm -hmm. Back and forth, except for Tom Brady, for the most part, got the best of Peyton Manning, except for maybe a few times. However... I saw a tweet later last night from Nick Wright, a part of First Things First. Doesn't like Aaron Rodgers. Um, neither do you, Anthony. My kind of guy. Exactly. <laughs> but his tweet was saying that Josh Allen is not like Peyton Manning. He's more like Philip Rivers and that Pat Mahomes is Peyton Manning and Tom Brady all rolled into one with Joe Burrow being your big Ben. That kind of... I could see that. I could see it too. Yeah. So let me read off these Josh Allen playoff wins. Mm-hmm. Okay. 2020, farewell tour, Philip Rivers. 2020, Lamar Jackson has a concussion in the third quarter. 2021, Mac Jones. 2022, <laughs> Skylar Thompson. And 2023, Mason Rudolph. Mm. That does not sound like a good playoff resume, in my opinion. No. No, that's a fascinating tweet. You're right on the resume. Peyton Manning was always crucified for not getting it done in the playoffs, obviously until he did, but he also ran into Tom Brady consistently. Often. Josh Allen has, out of his playoff losses, how many to Mahomes, and then he won to Brady last year. How many times has Mahomes got him? Three? Four? Uh, Josh Allen? Yeah. yeah. Three. This is the third time i believe yeah the yeah the afc championship game which nobody can yep. remember <laughs> the back and forth game where yeah the 13, the 13 second game yeah, and then you last this, night so yeah. he's got them three times joe burrow got him the other time peyton manning could never could not get over the tom brady hump until he did yeah mm-hmm. last night was was that moment you had him at home like manning needed that home game and he finally got him at yep. home and he got him right the old RCA dome. The old RCA dome. He needed Bill Belichick to go for it. Was it a fourth and five, and yes. they went for it yep. and didn't get it? Yep. Was that Kevin Falk they threw it to? I, I, I remember that. Those Ty Law had an interception like right yeah. before half, and you're like, oh, okay, this is this is another Patriots victory here for Tom Br- and Peyton Manning got him in the end. Well, even I believe in. I could be wrong, but Kerry, you would remember this. I think the Steelers went into the RCA Dome, too, and yep. beat them to go to the Super Bowl. They yeah. did. That's that when the, Big Ben tripped up. Bussy fumbled on the goal line. Yes. And, and he uh, tripped up one of the Nick, deep. Not Nick Harper. What was Nick's last no, name? No, yeah. Is I it think Nick it was Harper? Harper. Yeah, Nick Harper. 
And yeah. you guys ended up winning that game. Yeah, I wasn't there yet. But oh, you weren't was, there yet. Yeah, okay. That was 05. That's yeah. right. Yeah. That, that was, was when the Steelers went into Detroit <laughs> and beat and beat the Seahawks yep. on all those controversial calls. Was it Antoine Randall? Yes. Yep, throwing it to Hines. Yep. Yeah. But they yeah, had Big Ben. They would have never gotten there had Big Ben. ben so you know the, the the yeah it was a it's an interesting setup for the for the for that game. Bussy fumbling on the goal line was a it's a terrible moment because that ended up being his last year. They made it yeah. to the Super Bowl in Detroit, where he's from. Mm-hmm. You know that was kind of their their calling card to get him to ride off into the sunset, which he was able to. But you put it on the ground on the goal line, and Nick Harper who wasn't supposed to play in that game. I think he had a, had an issue at home. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. It, was an, it was reported. Yeah, it was. Okay. It was but, Google that. <laughs> what happened, if you guys can remember this, because I was a child at the time. I still remember Get watching the young. games. Anthony, stop. <laughs> but what do you remember from that Colts team that was consistently losing, what did they do different that ultimately led them to beat the Patriots and then go on to win the Super Bowl against the Bears? I, you know, like I said, I think he, it really was about getting Brady and the Patriots to come to that dome and get Manning out of the elements because the Ravens got him one year too. Ed Reed had an interception, it was snowing and all. Mm-hmm. Manning in that offense outside, it wasn't. they weren't built to win outside. And maybe the Bills aren't either. And maybe the Bills aren't either. They, they play outside. I, but you've said it. I brought it, this up, the yeah. roster The roster is set up as, hey. as almost like a dome team. They gotta, they gotta small, win outside. I know. They have to. What do we have? It, oh. You know what the Bills could do? Instead of instead of trying to find a receiver or getting them another like look, Dalton uh, Kincaid is that was an excellent I love, I love selection. Him. Yeah, he's great. Does another damn tight end help, or should you start to get some some defensive pieces? Kind of helps. Von Miller was the big guy, right? Well, like, hey, we're gonna invest, and then the Von thing, Miller though. got hurt. Here's the thing: they had no clue that all of these people would know, get injured. I know, but at they some got point, two of the best safeties in the league. I get their it. best starting cornerback is out for the year. Their starting linebacker is out. For, they were they went into that game with four linebackers, and two of those guys got hurt in the game. Like, there's really nothing you can do when you have that many people getting injured. And I still think, even with all of those things said, I still think that the Buffalo Bills should have won that game. They should have beat the, the the Kansas City Chiefs last night because it was just set up for them to win. Mm-hmm. And they offensively, it's, it's your quarterback. And I think Josh Allen played a hell of a game. But if you are, we were talking about it with the Blues. When you are a future Hall of Famer, when you are an elite player, you do the things that other people can't do, mm. which means you make the plays that need to be made to win that game. You know who does that? The guy on the other side. He does it to you every time, which is why he's greater than you mm. right now until you get past that, which it don't look like it's happening no time soon. Doesn't look like it's going to, like it's around the corner because that game was perfect for you all to win. Mm-hmm. Everything was in your favor. Even when you you got a stop and then they said, oh, it was a pass in the French, which was a terrible call. You got another stop and got the ball back. When you didn't get a stop and you you and, and you had the fake punt, you got McCall Hartman to fumble it out of the back of the end zone. Everything is going in your way, in your going for your favor, and you don't win. That is on the quarterback. That he has to be the one to get them over that hump. And he, as well as he played, we can talk about Stefan Diggs not catching that ball. That's a tough catch. But everything else is on him. And that's why I said going into that game, what he does is what's going to win or lose the game.
Moving forward, though, to Marsh's question, you have to continue to build that defense. It's not tough enough. I know yesterday, look, you're, not, you're right. You're not going to overcome seven, seven defenders being right. out. You, when we made our predictions on Friday, that was the thing. I, that was You had highlighted all week. I said, so look, I'm jumping off the fence here. The, the Kansas City Chiefs are going to win this game. I had them winning by 10. You can't, you can't get off the field. Yeah. But moving forward, you're going to have to build a defense that is physical. They hadn't done that in previous years when they didn't have injury concerns. And correct me if I'm wrong, those Indianapolis Colt teams didn't have... They were small and fast because they, they didn't knew, have big dudes. They knew they were going to be on the field a lot because Peyton was going to score quickly. So the defense needed to be smaller and that's, faster. That's what changed for them. Like when their defense got to that point, when Bob Sanders was playing at an all-defensive player, when he, when he was playing at all-defensive player of the year level, when Cato June and, and, and Gary Brackett were – Dwight Freeney. Dwight Freeney. All those guys for their position were undersized. Yes. Bob is small. Yep. Two linebackers, uh, Gary G, G and, and, and Cato were small for mm-hmm. inside linebackers, outside linebackers. Dwight Freeney was a small defense, but they were quick, they were fast, they were aggressive, and that's what allowed that defense. And you had um, Raheem, um, not Morris, I can't remember his name, but the other defensive end on the other side. Yeah. Not Raheem. Uh, yeah, who was I, he? was a bigger guy. Yeah, I figured out. I mean, his defensive end is going to be yeah. a big guy. But no, yeah, you're right, because that, that roster was built to complement what Peyton Manning and the offense was all about, and they just couldn't get over the hump, but they got him in the dome. And then, I, ironically, they wound up winning – against the Bears in, in a rainstorm. Robert Mathis. There you go. Brought, Robert, Robert Mathis. Mathis. You, got, you beat the Bears in a rain in, in, in mm. rain in Miami. So that was kind mm. of ironic, but Rex Grossman wasn't going to beat Peyton Manning no matter what mm-hmm. happened. Mm-hmm. No matter how many kickoff returns Devin Hester yeah, had. He had to keep doing it. Yeah. yeah. What a great halftime show that was, too. Who was that? I think it was Prince. Oh, that in was. In the rain. In the rain. In that purple rain. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Now we have Usher. Usher? <sighs> I like Usher too. Like Usher? No, just, no, he, like, I don't. Ten Who, likes, years ago. Who likes Usher? Everybody likes Usher. He's got a residency, a residency nah. in Vegas. Everyone's showing up to see Look, Usher. I, I'm gonna be disappointed with the halftime. It's just not my music. I, I've I've come to expect that. I don't. I'm not. I'm not what the NFL is looking for when it comes to a <laughs> halftime show. Right? Like I get it, but not your tempo. No, not my tempo, Marsh. Not my tempo at all. <laughs> is that an Usher song? Is that an Usher song? No, that's from um, it's from a movie. No, oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, no, just not a fan. I'm not looking forward to that. I will not be watching the halftime show again this year. That is my time to stretch the old legs, check a lap. check on the chili and the dip. You know, make sure it's still get ready. Doing good. Restock the bar. <laughs> get ready for the second half. Okay? By the way, that's my time. Movie's called Whiplash. It's a music the drum, movie. The, the drummer. The movie. drummer. Yeah, movie. yeah, yeah. I've seen that. Yeah, you have. Okay. Yeah, that's not, what he says. Not, not my tempo. tempo. <laughs> Where's your play sheet? <laughs> All right. So Dan Campbell. Dan Campbell talked about building a culture in Detroit, just like every head coach over the last five years has talked about building a culture, depending on what the sport is. Dan Campbell's actually done it and deserves a ton of praise for it. That's next. I want to win ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
It's the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN 303. Your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. There's a Tim Tebow reference. Yeah, I'm sorry, Carrie. Yeah, that was a... You, you, you sideswipe Carrie. You didn't even realize <laughs> I it. I didn't even realize it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, Tim Tebow won a game. <sighs> Playoff game. Playoff game. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. slant to Demarius Thomas. Demarius Thomas. Well, no. It was behind him, too. Hey, yeah, that, that ball was about, to the house. about a 15-mile-per-hour throw. <laughs> <laughs> got it done, though. And then he went to New England the following week, and How'd then they go? got him done. Oh, no. In the first quarter. Like, it was over. First snap. It went great. Yeah. All right. So, the head coaches, we, we hear we hear the press conferences all the time. I don't care what sport it is. Head coach sits there. He talks about building new head coach, building a culture. We want to build a winner. We want to build a culture. We have to change the culture here. I don't know if anybody's done it yet. Certainly nobody has done it like Dan Campbell has done it. Dan Campbell... When he stepped to the podium the first time, I think people, lo- some of them loved it, but they kind of loved it from the sense of like, oh, this is different. Talk, talking about biting kneecaps and all that. Did they love it or were they this taken aback by They're kind of like, oh, wow, yeah, wow, you know what, he's he's speaking his mind. This yeah. should be interesting. Doesn't he know, though, that he's the head coach of the Lions? Well, it's also different, like a different tone from Jim Caldwell. Very true. Completely different tone. Who Who... Actually had, I think, a winning record. He if did, I remember yeah. I was actually surprised that he got fired yeah. based on their track record and what he did with that team. Wasn't it Matt Patricia that Campbell took over from? Yeah. Yes. Okay, so, so Caldwell, Caldwell and then Patricia. 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 Yeah. Who was, Patricia was terrible. He was terrible. He was not great. So when it comes to Campbell, my criticisms a year ago weren't necessarily criticism from like, ah, I don't think he can do it. They were just more, hey, at some point, you, you, you had brought this up with Mike McDaniel. At some point, you can win all the press conferences you want, but if you don't win games, it's not going to matter. No one cares. Nobody cares. And it got off to a rocky start last year. They dropped the first six or seven games. Then they started winning. But they were when they were losing games, there was a couple of calls there, decision-making, that Dan Campbell, you could tell, is he had inexperience. From... The moment that they went into Green Bay last year with nothing to play for, and they found that out a good 40 minutes before the game, Mm -hmm. with Green Bay, everything to play for, and beat them. Yep. And Dan Campbell made a decision in that game that he had learned from a previous loss to Marsh's Vikings earlier in that season. I thought, okay, this is for real. Now, I still push back a little bit in the offseason because I'm like, I think we're over. The team that you overhype in the offseason typically falls flat. But that that even, to me, Kerry, it, 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 Dan Kimball deserves even more praise for that. He completely changed the culture. They built a good roster. He learned on the job quickly. And he's doing it with the Lions. Yeah, Nobody wins with the Lions. He's done a, a fantastic job. You talked about last year. They started out 1-6. and six. But four of those games, one, two, three, four, four of those six losses were one possession losses. They only lost by, you know, four to six points in, in those four games. And then they won. They won. They ended up nine and eight. They only lost two more games the rest of the season after starting out one and six. You could see the momentum building. And we talked about it. We, we talked about it during our Gridiron Guys show, just the fact that when you play it, when you have a team – that goes into a game versus your division rival on the road with nothing to play for. Yeah. 
other than keeping your division rival out of the playoffs, they went in there on the road and beat an Aaron Rodgers-led team to keep them out of the playoffs and allow themselves to keep building on that momentum. And we talked about it. This is going to be a team that is scary going forward. The thing that makes them scary is they believed. They started believing. When you are a terrible team and you're losing games, but they're close, you know, okay, this guy's talking about biting kneecaps. We ain't winning, man. Yeah. But they just kept trusting them, kept believing in them, and kept going. And they finished that season 9-8. and eight. And then you come back the following season and you play – this is the best de- version of Detroit uh, Lions football I've seen ever. Yeah. Because ever. even when Barry was there, they, they weren't were, winning. No, they were good. He, he was fun to watch. He was exciting because Megatron was fun yeah, to watch. And, 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 you know, that regime, this is, different. this is much different. They feel like a team that really does not care where they play. They don't care who they play. They don't care when they play. They feel like you got to line it up against us. Yeah. And we're tougher than you, mentally and physically, and they are going out and showing it. That was a that was a really good game they played this weekend against the Bucks. That was a game that was closer than it should have been, 10-10 at halftime, and then they just started to separate. Same thing you saw from Baltimore at halftime, separation in the second half. Those, are t- those teams are tough football teams, and they're hard to beat. If you're going to be a Dan Campbell and you're not calling – one side of the, the the football, right? Like, you're not calling one side of the game. You better get the coordinators right. And I thought one of the biggest differences between the Lions and Bucks yesterday was Ben Johnson in the second half completely, completely owning Todd Bowles. The play-calling change, you could tell they were starting to pick apart what, what Tampa was doing. And conversely, I thought Aaron Glenn, the defensive coordinator for the Lions, the way that he was mixing up some of his blitzes, the way that he had unblocked men mm-hmm. getting to Baker Mayfield's. They were getting that after is him. a that 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 is a film thing. You could tell when they want when they were motioning into certain looks, they're motioning certain all of a sudden Aaron Glenn dialed up a blitz, free free release on a corner of safety that Baker Mayfield had no shot on. That is a film thing. Can I say something? Because as an offensive player, one of the most frustrating things for me is when I see unblocked defenders. If I see two guys on one guy and there's an unblocked uh, unblocked guy, it it irks. It it drives me <laughs> up a wall. Or if everybody is blocked and they brought more than we can block, the quarterback holding onto the ball and like it 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 bothers, it disturbs my spirit, Anthony. What do you think you're going <laughs> to What did you think was going to happen? It just we don't what have enough. What are you enough. all doing? Yeah. But no, it you don't have enough, but the quarterback has to get rid of the football. Mm-hmm. He has to be the one to decide and decipher, oh, crap. They brought 7. We only got 6. That means it's zero coverage out there. One of you guys get open, I'm going right. to throw you the ball. Yep. Just the inability to make that decision, it 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 drives me mad. To your point about the coordinators, mm-hmm. I was watching the game yesterday, and I might be wrong on this, but from the commentary on the game, they went back to last week when the Lions threw the ball, got the first down, and won the game against the Rams. Yeah, I believe they said that that was Ben Johnson's call. We talked last week about the head coach telling the coordinators, hey, I want this type of play, like dial up a play and let's get it done. Mm-hmm. I believe that they said that Dan Campbell put his trust in Ben, in, in ben Johnson to make that decision by himself. Sure. 
which I think goes a long way from the head coach and the coordinators having trust in one another yeah. to where Dan Campbell doesn't even need to make that call because right. he knows that Ben Johnson has the right mind frame to go out and win that game because he knows what type of play Dan Campbell would end up wanting. Sure, and, and if you're Campbell, though, you still have to make that decision. For sure. You know, you still have to make that call where you say, okay, I'm going to put it in Ben Johnson's hands. Right. I'm not saying that Dan Campbell didn't make a decision. Your point is that he is entrusting his coordinators to to make make decisions. And then trusting your quarterback to deliver the ball, make the play, and your receiver to catch the ball. All of those things, but there is a level of trust in that organization that I feel like has not been there for I don't know how many years. It's It's just different now, and it's fun to watch. 101 ESPN breaking news alert. According to John Morosi, the Cardinals announced a two year deal with Tommy Edmond, thus avoiding arbitration. So, two year contract extension for Tommy Edmond to avoid arbitration. Well, let's get into it then. What does this extension mean for Tommy Edmond and the Cardinals? And how do we look forward here roster wise? This next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. The breaking news locally is that John Morosi is reporting the Cardinals have announced a two-year deal with Tommy Edmond, thus avoiding arbitration. Great. Excellent. Tommy Edmond, Tommy Edmond is, Can you do that is a again? key component. They need a little bit more enthusiasm well, for, I, for this breaking news, Anthony. Why? It's Cardinals I think news. I've, I've, okay, I've given the, I think I've given the appropriate amount okay. of energy right. to this. All right. I think it's a, I think it's a solid signing. Yes. This falls into the like okay, this is what you should do <laughs> like category, right? I guess this sim uh, lets us know that they're not too concerned about his wrist. Where, not long, not long term, at yeah, least, where he hasn't swung yeah. a bat or thrown a ball up until this point. This is uh, Tommy Edmonds, the perfect Cardinal. Is He's the guy that can play all every nine, no. all nine positions? No, all nine positions. No. That, Catalyst. No. What? what position is he playing? Center field. Okay. Or second base. Oh my. Or shortstop. And Mason wins somehow falls. Come on. Stop it. What? You gotta play. I gave you the example last week. If we picked jobs out of a hat every day when we came in here, and one day I picked running the board, you'll be great. We <laughs> would not have a show, man. <laughs> What mic are you on, Carrie? You're not even close to the mics. I don't know what any of that means back there. It's it's the magic of radio that Marshy does so every single day. Carrie, you're mic two. Okay. Camera one, by the way, for, uh, for YouTube you. purposes. Camera one. Anthony, you're Never. mic four. Camera three. Okay. 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 Thirty-four. That was my football number. <laughs> I have no clue. I already don't know. I don't even know what. It would be bad. Uh huh. But if you sit me here in this same spot every day, I can thrive. You're good to go. I can be the best version of myself. Yeah. 
And I think that's what the Cardinals should do. You know, Carrie, let me look. Let me pull up the World Series winners here because right. there, there's you're missing something. In what all am of I missing? This, right? What's going on? So last year, of course, the Texas Rangers won the World Series, mm-hmm. and one of the things that Bruce Bochy met, he 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 talked about first when they asked him, "Hey, how'd you do it, Bruce?" is he talked about the versatility and the flexibility of his roster. Mm. Same thing with Dusty Baker the year prior. It's like, you know, we like to mix and match. Mm. Uh, the Braves, Brian when Snicker, they won. When they won, right? Yeah. Anthony Same Adam. deal. It was it was about the mixing and the matching. Every player can play all different positions. I, Dave Roberts, I, Dave Martinez. The list goes on and on, guys. I, I think I want to push back on that a little bit. I don't yeah. think that that's how they played the game. No, it's a winning teams. No. They, they, they always highlight the flexibility of the roster. Well, Maybe no. one player, <laughs> but your best players know. are playing the same position. Marcus Simeon what? was pretty good, right? He's yeah. one of their better players. He yeah. played 162 games last year. What? He played all of them at second base. Well, I mean, hey. but he could have played short, you know. I mean, but why would he? You need those guys. <laughs> you know what? I don't know if you can pick up on the sarcasm, but Mookie Betts it on pretty thick. Here, here's an now, example. Now Mookie Betts did move around a little Mookie bit. Mookie Betts, he's I think he's playing second base this year, right? Yeah, he's because they have a better, not a better player, but they have a player that can play in the outfield. That's what their roster. Dictates that they do. Yeah, yeah, which is different than the Cardinals. Do we the need all of our guys to play all different kinds of positions because we don't we don't really know we don't really have an identity. I know what he what this guy is. Our identity is like we're flexible, right? We're we're an amoeba. We should just no, bat twelve players too, since this is CYC ball. <laughs> you're always chasing it. You're always chasing. If you're Ollie, you're always chasing it. Okay, I got to get the right matchup for today, and this is well. This guy's got uh, the. Uh, you know what? Um, <laughs> just have a roster where you can bank on what you're going to get most times. Now, if there's injuries, it's different. But build a roster with some sort of identity to it. I don't know how we got here with the Tommy Edmund news. but Well, because I asked what position is he playing since you signed him to a two-year deal? Centerfield. Centerfield. Thank you. He's your centerfielder. So. Good. I guess that means that Victor Scott won't be in the picture in the next two seasons. <laughs> like, what's going on here? I mean, unless you trade. I don't want to trade that guy. I, no, you, you're not, not trying to trade him. I mean, you could trade uh, Brendan Donovan or Nolan Gorman. You free up a spot at second base, Tommy Edmund goes back to second base. So he's not your center fielder. It's the, it's the flexibility, guys. <laughs> it's fluid. It's fluid. The yeah, Cardinals are fluid next yeah, year. Yeah, fast lane fluid. Exactly. That's correct. <laughs> Carrie, I'm glad you picked up on that. Mm. Yeah, fast lane fluid means something uh, way different. No. It's a different F word that we're trying to say. Yeah, you, you just, just got to take out it. the L mm-hmm. and the I and the D. Yeah, <laughs> which normally we don't like to take out the D. <laughs> yeah, so Tommy Edmund, two-year deal. Two-year deal avoiding arbitration. I think it's great. Tommy Edmund's uh, an excellent well, player. I think avoiding arbitration is great. You know, you never – I've heard the the horror stories of – what people say about you, like, you still want me on the team? <laughs> Corbin <laughs> Burns, you're the reason why you why we stink. You, why really? am I still here? I was the best player last yeah, year. Yeah, you got to hear terrible things about yourself. So, so to avoid arbitration, there's no hard feelings. Um, you get your you get your money for the next couple of years, mm-hmm. and hopefully, we find a, a good spot for you to play every single day. 135 games at one spot, I think, would be ideal. I think the, the issue the issue with this team is that they have players that have underperformed that they 
need to give at bats to to figure out what they have instead of just maybe moving on. Mm-hmm. Like that, that's the thing. Like Dylan Carlson, for instance. Do you know what Dylan Carlson is? From the Cardinals standpoint, you want to find out what he can do, but how are you supposed to give him at bats right. when you have three other guys that are right now better than him? Marsh, I think what you just said is a microcosm to the to one of the bigger issues about this team. We can sit here every day and bitch and moan about who they sign and who they don't sign, but what you just said is a fundamental problem. The decision-making, the talent evaluation, the ability to say, this guy can get it done for us, this guy we're not sure on, might need more time, and this guy we need to trade. And there's always this, either they're getting too much time or too little time, there's like no quick decision-making. The decision-making process for the Cardinals roster has been bleeped up for a while now, in my opinion. And I think the part one of the reasons is I don't know how they win. How are you going to win? When when Mo first took over, it's like, all right, well, you're going to outpitch everybody. Cool, I'm good with that. Pitching defense, we're going to fill in the gaps offensively. All right, I can live with that. Right now, your pitching is better than what the only the only nice thing Kerry can come up with <laughs> that I've heard with the pitching is it's better than it was a year ago. Okay, great. <laughs> As Janet as Janet would say, that you're, you're trying to hop over a, a line in the cr- a crack in the sidewalk. That's don't want to step on it. Tell you know what happens when you step on a crack. To get over it. How you gonna win games next year? Well, you know we might do this. We might do that. If 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 that well, you don't have an identity. I think, I think you win games by pitching better. Let's start there. Like if, if the pitching Can is better. Can you rely better, on that with this? I'm talking about this team. I'm not talking about winning baseball. I'm talking about this team. If the pitching is better than it was last year then yes. If the hitting is better than last year, then yes. If they are going at the same time, then hell yes. If not, probably not. And I think just figuring out, again, we talked about the identity. Having an identity identity of who you are and what you are, are you going to be a team that allows your pitchers to face a lineup the third time and not rely so heavily on a bullpen that becomes overtaxed and overused and blows the, the a lot of saves throughout the season because – they're overused and overtaxed. <laughs> Hopefully not. Hopefully you allow your pitchers to to you trust them and you trust them to to do their job that they're being paid for. Hopefully the hitters have timely hitting and they hit with runners in scoring position. And maybe bunt somebody over here and there. Sacrifice fly would be nice. Mm-hmm. Not always having to try to drive the ball out of the ballpark. Do the simple things that help you win games. I think that they can do that. Now, will they do it consistently? Probably not. Will the defense be better? Maybe if guys play the same position every single day, it'll be better. I think that helps. I think it's great to know where your second baseman is going to be and, and, and if he's the same person that's playing second base every single day as opposed to, oh, who's there? Oh, he's not as fast as him. He doesn't move. He doesn't move as well. His glove. It's too many variables and too many factors. And when you're changing people and rotating people every single day, I think it just changes, you know, the pitching philosophy, the pitcher's philosophy and mindset. And it changes a lot of things for the entire team. Going back to last week with Matt Carpenter, they talked about bringing in more veteran leadership. And we were clamoring for that last season. I, I said, like, I want I, I, I want a veteran, more veteran presence. Now, they got was it. it Matt Carpenter? Probably yeah. not who I was thinking of, but mm-hmm. I wonder if, 
having him, he, he for the most part throughout his career, is a great two-strike hitter, right? I wonder if having a guy like that in there with approach at the plate when we're talking about driving runners in two outs, right? This team was not that great with two outs, runners in scoring position. Yes. How many at-bats is Matt Carpenter going to have? And have? Probably not a lot, but... <laughs> I want, but but it's 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 bringing him in and, and having those conversations with some of the younger players on your approach at the plate with two yeah. strikes with runners in scoring position. Are you going to put the ball in play? Or are you going to try and go out and try to hit a grand slam? Yeah, you put the ball in play. Good things happen. It's just like putting the puck on net. Good things can happen. So I wonder if that is kind of where they're leaning with this team. If, if the veteran quote unquote presence will will translate into some of these situations where maybe they weren't as as uh, seasoned in last season. Uh, I don't want to put this guy, I don't want to put this on you guys, but it's somewhere in the last couple of minutes here, I just became depressed. <laughs> I'm trying to be positive here. Right? I just, I'm, like, just, I'm trying to do something, I, man. It's do so you know, look outside. Do you know, it's all gray. <laughs> do you know how I know you're not good enough? Because we're in the minutia every single day. We're talking about, you know, maybe it's leadership and it's bunting. And trying it's to find a way to win. Uh, like, come on. We have it. You, you're not fall, You're not falling back on anything. It is. It, this is the epitome of. You know, jack of all trades, master of none. The, the Cardinals are uh, they're okay and a little bit good in like some things, and then they're not so great in other things, and they're not great in anything. They're not great in anything. Not good. I'm sorry, Anthony. Come on, they got three of the top five hit okay. leaders. All right, okay. <laughs> On the pitching side. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> Prophecies and, well, sounded good at the time. Next, I want to win ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. So we, we like to do this thing from time to time when we hand out a lot of predictions like we did last week. We we do the prophecies, so things we got right. If you ever listen to like Colin Coward, things got right, things got wrong. Where uh, Colin was right. It's exactly. Prophecies. And, Where Colin was wrong. Well, <laughs> sounded good at the time. That's ours. So, gentlemen, I would like to start off with a, uh, well, uh, sounded good at the time. I thought the 49ers were going to hang 35-plus points on the Packers on Saturday night. I, yeah. I knew about the rain. I knew about the weather. Didn't care. Now, losing Debo Samuel hurt, but still, like, they weren't close. I thought they'd own Joe Barry's defense. It was a different matchup than the yeah. one in Dallas. Blah, 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 blah. I couldn't have been more wrong. The Packers' defense played great. They played great virtually all game. Got it. Got put in a tough spot. Had to come up with one more stop, basically, yeah. after the missed field goal, and they couldn't do it. Bottom line, the I, that sounded good at the time. 49ers going to hang a bunch of points on the board. They weren't even close. No, they, and I don't know if it was the weather. You know, I think Brock Purdy started the game with a glove on, took it off. Just maybe never really comfortable with the with the elements and what was going on. Yeah. But at the end of the day, that Packers team played much better. He threw one to Darnell Savage that he the pretty much the same, same kind of the same look that Darnell took to the house the week before. He dropped it. That changes the game as well. So you you have situations or instances where if you make a big play on defense, that could change the game for the Packers. 
San Francisco didn't do, they didn't give me that vibe or that feeling this weekend of a Super Bowl champion. Mm-hmm. Like they have throughout the season, they had the period where where Trent Williams was out and Debo was out and they lost three games in a row and you kind of like, oh, Brock Purdy is a say he's a normal quarterback and then those guys come back healthy and you're like, oh no, he's really good. So I don't know where I stand on the 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 49ers right now because again I think we both agreed that they were going to light up the scoreboard. The Packers had played their their tails off the week before, but it was going to be over. Yep, and they came out and did it again. Just yep. didn't finish it. What about you guys? Whether you want to go the prophecy route or the well, well, I think we had a, the prophecy of of Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens and C.J. Stroud season coming to an end. You know, we got some pushback. It's just to take the Ravens straight up, like whatever. But we took them a nine and a half. We got some pushback when we said that they were going to roll. Now the first half, D'Amico Ryan's, I, I thought he he played that thing perfectly. Mm-hmm. But really, it was the punt the punt return for a touchdown. That was, yes, that was the key. That and then the second the half, that was it. And Lamar apparently went into the the Ravens locker room it. and lit everybody up. I love it. Took took ownership, like just. Took a took a a, fl- a flame torture to the whole locker room, and then when they came out, man, that was you saw it. You saw that they're prepared. But anyways, yeah, you yeah we. I think that was our fader follow play, wasn't it? Yep. Ravens minus nine and a half, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and they covered easily. They did. Yeah. Very good. Good game plan by by the D coordinator for the Ravens as well. I mean, I thought McDonald's going to get himself hired. I thought they played outstanding. It was it was a tough game for for Houston to get anything going, other than that punt return, mm-hmm. which I'm sure lit up. John Harbaugh saying that he was a special teams coordinator to start his career. Like you give up a special teams touchdown and you're the head coach. Like you gotta, he's trying to keep my head on my shoulders, mm-hmm. brother, because you all are going to upset me, especially the way the defense had been playing. So, other than that, I mean, Baltimore was in control of that game, and then as yeah. you said, Lamar figured some things out at halftime. I love the fact that he, the media asked what changed. He said, oh, it was some it was some cussing going on. I can't, it would be inappropriate to say mm-hmm. what I said in there. But I, you can tell how much those guys love him too. Yeah, they follow him. They, man, they yeah. do whatever. And he's, he's one of them. He's not a quarterback that stands out in front of them. He stands right there beside them. And I think that's the best part of, of his game. Yeah. Well, I had the Bills in the Super Bowl, so that yeah. one... That was a season-long, uh, sounded good at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, did not sound good when Tyler Bass missed that field goal, but I looked at my buddy. I was I told Kerry this before the show started. I was sitting down on my couch just watching, just enjoying what we watched yesterday. Just two great football games, two entertaining games. And I looked at my buddy who likes football but didn't really know the whole Scott Norwood thing with the, with the Buffalo Bills and the history behind that. And I said, you know what? This is going to be a back-and-forth game. This is before the game started. Back-and-forth game. I'm like, I wouldn't be shocked if this guy missed a field goal. Here we go. Kick up. Boom. Wide right. I look at my buddy. I go, I'm going to go buy a lottery (laughs) ticket right now. (laughs) That was a good call. Uh, One of my – it sounded good at the time – was crapping on Baker Mayfield again. And the Buccaneers really overall – I thought that was going to be a top-five team this year in terms of the draft. Mm. So, eh, well, it sounded good at the time. I do think, though, that the real Baker Mayfield showed up at times throughout that game. Now, I had texted you guys. The throw that he made to Mike Evans on the last touchdown mm-hmm. was an absolute rope. Like, that was perfect spot, high, Mike, let Mike Evans do his thing, got him back into the game. But I – so I'm texting with buddies from Detroit, diehard Lions fans. I got a buddy, Drew, that's just – 
he was dying. He's like, the, the ball's going back to them. I can't take this. Like, when you're a Lions fan, you're conditioned to just assume <laughs> that something's going to go wrong. And I text him, I go, there is no way in hell Baker Mayfield is going to lead the, the Bucks down the field. He's not. Right. And then within two plays or three plays, whatever it was, he threw the interception. But this is kind of the good and the bad with Baker. Like every everybody liked him. You could tell him on the you know on the sidelines yeah. he was getting everybody at you know he had everybody's ear. He was firing him up. He made the team. He you know he, he, he earned the, the right to get to be the starting quarterback. But at the end of the day, there was plays that could have been made throughout that game that just they couldn't. It was for me. I think <laughs> I was definitely wrong, and I hate to say it. I thought he was going to have a great year this year. I had I got two guys that I thought were going to be outstanding. One I one we know. Oh. Can I can I try and guess? Yeah, sure. Derek Carr is one of them. Oh, well, I got three then. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> I got three. Derek Carr was definitely one of them. I thought that Saints defense, all the weapons, Alvin Kamara. You got uh, Justin, uh, not Justin. You got um, Chris Olave. Chris Olave, Michael Thomas coming back healthy. Yeah. Ooh, they're going to be outside. They've been missing a quarter. They're still missing a quarterback. Um, I had them. I had Kenny Pickett, and and I thought he was going to be um, stellar this year. He didn't turn out to be. Just wasn't great for old for old Kenny. And then I had Justin Fields of the Chicago Bears, who I'm still I'm gonna go stick beside him. I'm gonna ride this one out and see how it goes. And if they pick Caleb Williams in the first round, then I'll know I made a poor decision. <laughs> but until that time, I'm gonna stay right here with you, mm-hmm. Justin. Chicago Bears, figure it out. Any other prophecies? And well, sounded good at the time. I guess I'll throw the the mm-hmm. Lions in there too. I've I've admitted my mistake on the. I mean, I I I whiffed on the Lions. I thought the Packers would win this week. They're close. They were very close. Now the Packers are the team I I had said all year long. Like we're sleeping on this team a little bit. Everybody's giving all the credit to the Lions. This is a winning organization in Green Bay. This is history can repeat itself. So that was one of my prophecies. But Lions, I just. I kept going down the road of their their lines, their lines. But Dan Dan Campbell, as we talked about earlier, deserves all the credit in the world. Got it done. And the Chiefs, we all had the Chiefs winning outright. Didn't we? Didn't you pick the Chiefs too, Marsh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I thought the Chiefs would win. All right, there you have it. All right. It's Fastlane on 101 at ESPN. Are the Ravens the best remaining team? Are they the team to beat? I don't think there's any question. We'll talk about it next on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. So we'll kind of bounce around a little bit. I wanted to, we, we love all our listeners, and one thing that we don't do is, is, shy away from the criticisms we have a whole segment dedicated at the end of the show in fact criticisms but sometimes those those segments can be short one thing one one theme that i'm starting to hear a lot of from the tax line is my complaints about the cardinals in fact marsh you had run, uh, read one text in the break i don't know if you still have it up or if you can locate it about me being whiny go ahead Oh, so yeah, that was a different one. Let me find it real quick. Well, if you want to read the the other one, we got, I guess we got a slew of the 
We got I, a few I, different ones. Yeah, Carrie, why don't you take care of the 314? That, there's some the anger one. here. Um, well, the one says, that conversation took 10 minutes of my life. I'll never get back. You guys didn't even talk about Tommy Edmonds. All you did was rip the Cardinals for 10 minutes because we talked about the versatility of the team, which some people tend to believe is a good thing, Yeah. which I don't personally believe is a great thing. I look at teams like the Atlanta Braves where their players play the same position every day. They're pretty good. I look at the Texas Rangers. I told you Marcus Simeon played the same position every single game. They don't flip-flop people because when you flip-flop people, I think it makes it a little bit harder to do your job consistently. And mm. and so I even went back to – to because the Texas Rangers won the, the, the World Series last year, right? They were the, the champions, if I'm Correct. not mistaken. I went back to the 2022 uh, World Series champions, which was the Houston Astros. Alex Bregman played 154 games. You know where he played them at? Mm. Played 154 at third base. Hmm. Imagine that. This guy, you ever heard of this guy, Jose Altuve? Jose Altuve? No. Never heard of him? Mm-hmm. He's making $29 million a year. He's an all-star that year. Uh, he played 136 mm-hmm. games. He's kind of a smaller guy. What, what, what position do you think he played? <sighs> Probably didn't even make the big leagues. He did. He played all 136 games at second base, Anthony. Mm-hmm. He did it. Jeremy Pena, he's a really, really, he's a World Series MVP. He was a really good player. Young guy, rookie that year. He played 134 games that year. It, I'm reading this right, 134 at SS. What's SS? Oh, that would be shortstop. Shortstop. Wow. Kyle Tucker, 147 games, 147 at right field. Like, call me crazy. You can. But teams that tend to play their players at the same spot, and if you want to go look at the Atlanta Braves, it's going to be the same thing. Mm-hmm. All Most of these teams that are really good tend to play their players in the same position. You know Why? Because you become more comfortable the more times you do something. And if I have to vary and do something else, eh, probably not going to be as good at it. But when I do the same thing every day, so if you have a Tommy Edmond who is your starting center fielder, but also is a gold glove second baseman, and you want to put him at second base for 30 games, and you want to play him at center field for 45 games, and then maybe put him at shortstop for 30-plus games, how what 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 type of consistency are you having in your roster and in your lineup day to day? Yeah. It's not. There I th- isn't. I think there could be pushback from people that could say that Tommy Edmond, compared to those players that you just listed off, those are like your everyday superstars at those positions, whereas Tommy Edmond is not really a superstar mm-hmm. at all. So he is that utility guy that you can move throughout your lineup, which yeah. teams do. But I feel like the Cardinals have too many of those guys. Kerry, mm-hmm. uh, though, I wanted to I wanted to address the one about Skip Schumacher. Do oh, you have that's actually oh, in front of you. Shoot, what did that say? Oh, here. Well, let's see. Uh, no, I don't know where it, it was. was. A, oh, here it is. Oh, it's the same guy because I talked. He said, no, you ripped the Cardinals for having players that can play multiple positions. Like, that's a bad thing. I remember Skip Schumacher moving from the outfield to second base and Tony La Russa being treated like a genius for it. I appreciate the text. That is, though, the epitome of the straw man fallacy. It's a straw man fallacy. You're bringing up one player. You're bringing up one instance. They don't have one Skip Schumacher. You will not hear one of us, or I'll just speak for myself, you won't hear me complaining about Brennan Donovan moving around a lot. Why? It's one guy. When you have all of this flexibility, you don't have an identity. That's my big, That's the bigger issue. If you want to cite one example, in this case, Skip Schumacher, that was one player 
moving from one position to another. And yes, it worked out. If you notice, Tony LaRusa didn't have 20 of those players constantly. This is my opinion, guys. It's it, and you could say, you know, Marsh, you could bring up the one about me whining. Go ahead. Yeah, you want me to? Yeah. From the three one four, Stalter is one of the biggest whiny ass fans in this town. Quit accusing. Uh, I'm sorry. Quit acting like a damn three year old and deal with your disdain for everything Redbird like a man and just stay inebriated so we can hear your complaints. Talk to me. I'm a man. I'm forty. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you. I don't know. Look, I don't know what what point I have made that you disagree with, but that that shows the immaturity of this. You disagree with one of my points, so you call me a whiny ass. Whatever. Here's the thing. What I'm talking about with move, position players moving around a lot, it has created a lack of an identity. If you wanna, if you wanna go back and forth about that, let's just deal with the points I'm making. Okay. If you think I'm complaining, or if you're, and look, there are there are listeners that are like this. We have run into this before. If you think that I'm just going to sit here for four hours, and heap praise upon the Cardinals, you've got the wrong show. You've got the wrong guy. In the past, if the Cardinals have made the World Series, they go they went to the playoffs, they went to the 2019 NLCS, the day after they hung 16, 19 runs, whatever it was, on the Braves in the first inning, I highly doubt I was complaining. Do you want honesty? Do you want more than just Tommy Edmond signed a two-year deal. He he can play center field and he can play second base and he's been a really good cardinal and he's a fan favorite. And here's all the statistics. If you want more than that, this is your show. If not, you're not going to enjoy it. And I've said this for years now. Win, I'll say nice things. Lose like you did most of last year. I'm not going to say nice things. It goes for the blues too. It goes for the blues. Sorry. I am frustrated by this offseason because I've seen this offseason before. Seriously, if you if that is complaining to you or if that's whiny, I got nothing for you. That sounds like a you problem. The Cardinals did because have a you can't of guys. handle the fact that I'm criticizing your favorite team. I'm sorry. I don't. If you want, if you want to, uh, if you want to meet Fred Bird and have, you know, if the, ch- check out the Fred Bird team. That's what they do. If they have a podcast or a show, listen to them. This isn't the Fred Bird show. I'm sorry. <laughs> the Cardinals did have Fred Bird got demoted last year. Did he? On this show. On this show. Did Why? Because yeah. no, nobody's safe. Oh man. You know, too, if I if I am complaining or I'm out if I'm out of bounds, we just did a segment not too long ago about prophecies and lies. I'll here's the good thing about me. You don't like me. You don't like my actually you don't like my opinions. You have no idea who I am. But you don't like my opinions. Fair. If I'm wrong, I'm the first person to admit it. The yeah. first person. And I'll go into great detail about why I was wrong. But when it comes to this Cardinals team, you know, a lot of you complain about them not signing guys. I don't care. I care about the lack of an identity on a, on a roster. And when I look around <laughs> all of Major League Baseball, because I'll watch more than just the Cardinals, oh, man. there are fundamental problems with this team. Yeah, I, you know... I've learned something in life, especially here. We talk about the text line and, and how it can, things can get a little out of hand mm-hmm. with people's opinions. And so sometimes you just have to nod your head, tip your cap, and right. just move, on, move on. Because some people just don't get it. I, I refuse to argue. 
because it, it, there is proof in a player doing a job consistently and being better at it because of that. Mm-hmm. The ball bounces differently, I'm sure, in the corner at right field than it does in, in left field at Bush Stadium. There are different angles, things that you have to learn, things that are different in the job description when you are playing multiple positions. The ball comes off the bat a little bit differently at second base than it does at shortstop, it, it, depending on who's batting. So understanding that and doing it over and over and over again, I just have to assume that you become better when you do the same job and your team is better. I told you there are a couple of people, Tommy, um, uh, Paul Goldschmidt and, and Nolan Arenado, the only two guys that, that played their positions in no other position. They, they DH'd. Mm. But everybody else, Lars Newbar played 114 games. He played 24 in left field, 73 in center field, 34 in right field. Yeah. Guys there's, are, a, there's versatility and then there's, in my opinion, a lack, a lack of an, an identity. Stability. Yeah. I think stability goes a long way for good teams. We got a text from the 618. Our offense and position players are well set. If our biggest concern is having too many utility guys, that's okay with me. On the other hand, our rotation, even with all these signings, is still a huge hole. Our two is Miles Michaelis. The man should be a four or five at this stage in his career. Three stretching it, two is a disaster. And, you know, that's that's why I went to, and again, thank you for the tax. I, I completely agree. The, the majority of the time, we'll go back. The majority of the time, I'm whining about the pitching staff, right? That's why I joked about when you guys were talking the one segment, and I said, I said, I'm getting depressed here because we're we're in the, <laughs> we're talking about minutia. He's absolutely he or she is absolutely right. We we need to be talking about. The, the pitching staff improving in, in leaps and bounds. Now, again, if, if you want if you want me to pat them on the back, they got three pitchers. Okay, great. Sonny Gray, I, I love the signing. Lance Lynn provides a lot of grit. Kyle Gibson, veteran experience. Okay. Is that pitching staff going to match up with anybody in the National League? No. Well, time will tell, Anthony. Well, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say we'll you see. You just gotta get in. <laughs> I'm not gonna say we'll see for the next four hours just every day in. until until April. Yeah, we just get in, man. Spring yeah. training is around the corner. Mm-hmm. These guys are going to be ripping and rolling. And 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 the best part about it, there's no World Baseball Classic to interfere. Right, because that was the problem. (laughs) Just got a good text from the 618. I think if we all could just get together for some pond fishing, it'll all be good. I agree. I agree. Hey, on that note, you can reach out at any point. At Anthony Stalter on Twitter. Listen, if you want to debate certain points I'm making, I'm all for it. Let's do that. Anytime. I welcome that. It's why, quite frankly, I got into sports radio. I love the discussion of it. If if you have a uh, if there's a misconception about my my role in like being on the radio in your life, let me clarify. I'm not going to sit here for four hours and hype up your, your your favorite teams. I'm not. I and listen. I, sorry about that. I won't even do the. You feel that way, thing. I'll just, I'll just apologize. <laughs> but hopefully now we're, we got that, we got that out of the way. All right, we do need a new gauntlet contestant. So if you want to text into the Air Comfort Service text line, you can, uh, and just text in the word gauntlet, and we'll, we'll have you on. Have an opportunity to take on Marsh, Carrie, or me next on One Hundred and One ESPN. 
We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Three warriors, four categories, one challenger. Can you master the gauntlet? Brought to you by Master, your hometown source for business communications for more than 30 years. Visit Mastor.com. All right, time for the gauntlet in the fast lane on 101 ESPN 406. Your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. We've got Troy. What's up, Troy? How's it going today, gentlemen? Doing great. You staying staying safe? Doing my best. Good man. Uh, First time in the gauntlet, Troy? Yes, sir. Excellent. Well, welcome very, aboard. Very excited contestant. All right, good. <laughs> uh, would you like to take on Andrew Marsh, Carrie, or me in round one? Let me get Carrie. Did you know it was coming, Carrie? <laughs> you kind of had that like look it. on your face. I'm getting, you know, I'm out of here. All right, so Carrie's going right into the cone of silence. Troy, go ahead and tell Marsh to spin the wheel. Spin that wheel, Marsh. What are you hoping for, Troy? I don't know. I, maybe football. I, I think football I'd probably have my best bet on. All right. Looks like it's going to be... Is that March baseball? It certainly is. Baseball. Kerry's gotten baseball a couple of times now. How do you feel about baseball, Troy? I feel okay. Okay. All right. So it goes here. Four questions, all baseball. Kerry's going to get the same four questions. Each question is worth two points, Troy, unless you ask for the options, and then they're worth one point. Are you ready? Ready when you are. All right, here we go, Troy. The Cardinals captured Game 6 of the 2011 World Series in thrilling fashion, as we know, 10-9 over the Texas Rangers. Name the pitcher who picked up the win that night. I hate myself for this. Give me the options. Jason Mott, Mark Zipchiminski, or Jake Westbrook? Um, Repchinski. Final answer? Final answer. Question number two. Dwight Gooden and Daryl Strawberry will soon, be, will soon become the ninth and tenth members of the Mets to have their numbers retired by the franchise. How many 20-win seasons did Doc Gooden record? Eight. Final answer? Final answer. All right, question three. Where did Cardinals first baseman Paul Goldschmidt play college ball? Where did he play collegiately at? Give me the options. Alabama, Louisiana Tech, or Texas State? Texas State. Final answer? Final answer. Final question for you. Along with Scott Rowland, Fred McGriff was inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame in 2023. With what organization did the Crime Dog finish his 19-year career? Oh, boy. Can I get the uh, can I get the options? Was it the Chicago what? Cubs, the Tampa Bay Rays, or the Tampa Bay Devil Rays, or the Los Angeles Dodgers? Okay, that wasn't one of the answers I was thinking, so... <laughs> the options one more time Chicago Cubs Tampa Bay Rays or the Los Angeles Dodgers 
Those are Tampa Bay Rays. Final answer? Oh, that's my final answer, yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's bring back Carrie. Troy, how are you feeling? Uh, I'm feeling about like a wet dog in the rain right now. Okay. I'm not feeling too hot. Not too, not too good. <laughs> these, were, uh, these were challenging. Let's see how Carrie does here. Carrie's making his way back in from the cone of silence. He's shaking his head. You disgusted that you got chosen again? What's well, the deal? You know, you ever been a new kid at a school and you know, a new kid gets picked on until he fights back? Yeah. That's mm-hmm. kind of how I've been feeling lately. But, I'm a new kid being picked on. But it's okay. And I'm a fighter. Sure. I don't run from a fight. I no. run to it. So that's ready. that's why. Troy, pack the, a lunch. Oh, whoa. Whoa. Okay. Holy smokes. Oh, my goodness. Gary, just turn the tables on everybody. Gary, <laughs> that's why everybody gives you the advice. If you're the new, you're the new kid uh, at school, you walk up on the playground, you find the biggest kid, you punch him right in the face. You have to. Mm. Kids don't do that. I think you that's school, isn't that school, right? Yeah. That you do that sleep. typically? You shouldn't yeah. do that. No. I'll look it up later. <laughs> the Cardinals captured game six, Kerry. Oh, this, it's baseball. It's baseball. Okay, thank I you. just realized that I was reading that. It's baseball. <laughs> baseball is your category. All right. The Cardinals captured game six of the 2011 World Series in thrilling fashion, mm-hmm. 10-9 over the Texas Rangers. Mm-hmm. Name the pitcher who picked up the win that night. Ooh. Who got the dub? Oh, st- Jason Mott, final answer. Question number two. Dwight Gooden and Daryl Strawberry will soon become the ninth and tenth members of the Mets to have their numbers retired by the franchise. How many 20-win seasons did Doc Gooden record? Yeah, this is going to be, I mean, going with the options, I'm not going to know that either way. So let's say three, final answer. All right, Kerry. Where did Cardinals first baseman Paul Goldschmidt play college ball? Where did he Where did he play college baseball? I hear the Okay, give me the options. Alabama, Louisiana Tech, or Texas State? Oh, it's not Alabama, I don't think. Louisiana Tech or Texas State? Mhm. Texas State, final answer. Final question, Carrie. Along with Scott Rowland, Fred McGriff was inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame in 2023. With what organization did the crime dog finish his 19-year oh. career? I was hoping you asked me where did he... Who did he finish with? Please. All right, give me the options, please. Options are the Chicago Cubs, the Tampa Bay Rays, or the Los Angeles Dodgers. Let's go Rays, final answer. All right, let's go over these. Troy versus Carey in baseball. Where did Cards first baseman Paul Goldschmidt play college baseball? Troy, you said Texas State. Carey, you said Texas State. Correct answer is... It is Texas State University. Both of you needed the options. We have a 1-1 tie. Mm-hmm. Along with Scott Rowland, Fred McGriff was inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame in 2023. With what organization did the crime dog finish his 19-year career? Carrie, you said the Rays. Troy, you said the Rays. <laughs> Correct answer is... It is the Tampa Bay Rays. Both of you needed the <sighs> options, so we have a 2-2 tie. Dwight Gooden... And Daryl Strawberry 
will soon become the ninth and 10th members of the Mets to have their numbers retired by the franchise. How many 20 win seasons did Doc Gooden record? Troy, you said eight without the options. Very too confident. (laughs) Carrie, you said three without the options. Correct answer is. It's one. One. Way too confident. (laughs) You went 24 and four with a 153 ERA and 268 strikeouts and 85. So we still have a 2 2 tie. Comes down to this. The Cardinals captured Game 6 of the 2011 World Series in thrilling fashion. 10-9 win over the Texas Rangers. Name the pitcher who picked up the win that night. Carrie, you said Jason Mott without the options. Troy, you took the options, which were Mark Zipchinski, who is the pitcher that you went with, Jake Westbrook, and Jason Mott. So Mott was an option. He's saying I got a chance. If it's Mark Zipchinski, <laughs> Troy wins. If it's Jason Mott, Carey wins. If it's Jake Westbrook, we are going to a walk-off. Troy. Walk it off. It's time to walk it off. Jake Westbrook got the win that night. The other day, Anthony made a comment about Jake Westbrook, and I said, hold on now. He picked up the game. He he, he won game six. I said it it in the the office last week. Oh, no. I didn't hear it. There's I I just watched the end of that game a couple of days ago, and I could have sworn Jason Mott pitched the, the top of the 11th. He pitched the top of the 10th, gave up a home run to uh, Josh uh, Hamilton. Hamilton, and then Jake Westbrook mm, came in Gosh darn it! All right. with that sinker ball. There you oh, go. We'll, we'll walk it off. I was Marsh, confident the only thing I was thinking of when you said that I made a comment was, old Cardinal hater Anthony had <laughs> it again. <laughs> All right, here we go. This is how it works. Troy, you are going to hold off answering, Okay. Okay. We're in the trust tree here, so no cheating, but we're going to hold off on your answer until Carrie writes his answer down. Once Carrie shows us his answer, we will go to you, and we need that answer immediately. All right, Troy? You got it. Okay, closest to the pin wins. Here's your question. Carrie, are you ready? I'm ready. Troy, you hold off until we ask. During Mark McGuire's 70 home run season of 1998, how many base hits did Big, Big Mac record? Mm. How many base hits did Big Mac record? Gary's writing down his answer. He's going to show one of us here in a second. Okay, we have Carrie's answer. Troy, what's your answer? 240. Okay. No. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to go with that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, the- I'm just, I'm not going to lie to you guys. I'm, I'm sitting here shaking. <laughs> That's all right. Hey, man. It's the first time oh, on a radio. Yeah. It's, it's tough. It could be intimidating. So that's okay. Uh, one time I I answered uh, how many games did? Yeah, Yammer Yager, 3,000. 3,000. Yeah. yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Mr. 3,000. Troy, he's going to have to play for the next 15 years to get to 3,000 games. Oh, uh, man. But back to it. During Mark McGuire's 70 home run season of 1998, how many base hits did Big Mac record? Kerry, you went with 134. Troy, 240. 
Troy. You have chosen poorly. You lose. <laughs> Answer is. 152. 152. Yeah. So Carrie was closest to the pin with 134. Just uh, Troy, if you if you had a second chance, or like if we said, okay, you can, what would what would be your second? What was going to be your second answer? I'm usually pretty good with mental math, and I was trying to figure out. All right, he had 70 home runs. How many hits would he have had plus that? I'm like, you know, so I was like, well, let's double it. I go, and that's probably, I go, but that seems like that's not enough. I was like, let's triple it. That seems about right. Yeah. But then let's have a few more, because it's Mark McGuire, right? Sure. You know, so just, that's kind of where my mind ran. Yeah. Listen, Troy, Good job, that is Troy. how my mind works all the time. Like, let's take the sensible thing that makes sense, and then, then just double and triple it, and then I'll get to the right answer. Yeah. Hey, Troy. Can you uh, tell how much I liked Mark McGuire? Yeah, yes. there you go. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, you know what? He should have had 240 base hits yeah. that year. Oh, Anthony, <laughs> why are you complaining? <laughs> no, I'm whining. It's different. Oh, All right. Uh, Troy, thanks for playing, man. Thanks for listening. Absolutely. Hope we can do it again, boys. Thank absolutely. You. Thank you, Troy. All right. Good night. You too. Nice job, Kerry. That, was that your first walk-off? Yeah. That's tough. Uh, yeah. Yeah, my first since. Yep. The, the walk-offs are... Yeah. They're brutal at times. Yeah. No worries. Absolutely. All right. The conference championship games are set, but what about the losers? The four losers from this past weekend? Are they in good shape? Okay shape? Or, you know, we're never going to see them again. That's next on one when ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Championship Sunday is set in the NFL. We'll have the Ravens and Chiefs, as well as the 49ers and the Lions. Chiefs and Ravens will kick off at 2 o'clock local time. Then Lions and 49ers at 5.30 should be two fascinating matchups that we'll get into throughout the course of the week. But when it comes to the losers from the the divisional round, you have the Texans, the Packers, the Bucks, and the Bills. What's next for them? I mean, if you start with Houston – They've already got the they already got the head coach and the quarterback. Yeah, their foundation is is good. So now it's just yeah. build build upon that. I think they've got the most cap space of any team heading into the offseason. So the Texans are in really good shape. What do you think they need? I mean, I think their secondary Derek Stingley Jr. did a fantastic job. Linebackers, defensive line. I think they defensively they're, they're pretty set. Is it a running back that could help? Um, maybe alleviate some of the pressure off of C.J. Stroud to, to help them be a little bit better going to, forward? To me, it's continue to add pass rushers and continue to build up that offensive line. Mm. That's where I'm at on that. He mm. made – C.J. Stroud made Nico Collins and Noah Brown. Tank Dell. Yeah, Tank Dell. I mean, I don't think they Dylan need – Schultz. Yeah, and Tank Dell. Tank Dell looks like a dude. So I, yeah. And Nico, Nico Collins has, has, has played very well. But what I'm saying is – you don't need a number one prototypical number one receiver. Could they use a, a running back to help spell? You know, Devin Singletary looked pretty good. Can you find somebody in the middle rounds to to maybe add some more speed to that backfield? Sure. But other than that, I think building up the, the lines, continue to build up the lines is the, the best thing for Houston. Could you pay for a running back? I'm looking at a guy like Saquon Barkley that's probably on his I, way out of New York. He's gonna I, be I they're going to franchise him again. You think so? <laughs> probably. They I can't w- get a deal. I would. Maybe they don't. You I mean, wouldn't pay. You wouldn't pay for. Uh, 
Saquon? I just, nope, I wouldn't. You just don't believe in paying running backs. Mm-mm. Yeah, I know. But if you want to be a, a championship team. Mc, unless you're Christian McCaffrey. <laughs> if you want to be a championship team, don't you think you should have one solid position? And then I'm talking like uh, from a cap standpoint, mm-hmm. right? Saquon, he'll probably cost a little bit about a you know a little bit of money, but you're on you're on the uh, the rookie contract with with CJ Stroud. The rest of your team, for the most part, is fairly young. Yeah, you know what my favorite running back is the, uh, that's that played this past weekend. Dalvin Cook, Isaiah Pacheco. Yeah, oh, yeah, rookie, young guy, seventh rounder. Still, uh, but again, I, they have that concrete set piece in Patrick Mahomes. But Houston does now too, right? You still, we're still talking about Houston. Right, but you're comparing, you know, you're saying, well, you can go find a Isaiah Pacheco, mm-hmm. but they have Pat Mahomes, so like they don't need to rely on the running game, whereas this week the Texans lost because they didn't have a running game. What I'm saying is, indirect, directly to what CD asked me about, would you pay a running back? Would you pay, or, right. or you asked me, I, no, I would not. You want to go get a rookie or a younger guy? I want to find value. You have to go get somebody in the draft then. Exactly. I, if Third if round. if I'm going to take guys early in drafts, they're going to be linemen. They're going to be either to protect C.J. Stroud or to go after and get. You know, I know they got Will Anderson. Okay, great. Can I build one of the best defensive lines in in the AFC South? I can find my running back later. I don't want to invest in say. I, I don't want to invest cap space in Saquon Barkley. That's just my. This is my opinion on that. Green Bay. I think they're Green so, Bay's got lasting power. Yeah, I think they're set as well. They got a, I mean, their team, their whole offensive core, for the most part, is younger guys. Aaron Jones is probably the old veteran, and he's in year what six or seven. Yeah, like they are, they are set in terms of what they have offensively. You add to that defense, maybe add more pass rushers. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully, Quay Walker becomes what they need and want him to be in terms of of you know a top draft pick and and. They are. They got a lot of talent in that on that Green Bay team. A team that I think, when you're looking at Aaron Rodgers leaving, you assumed that they were going to take a step back. But Jordan Love just stepped right into that role and was able to fill it pretty seamlessly. So I, I think they're going to be okay. Yeah. Yeah. I hope they're not. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like what's going on here in this NFC North. I don't like it one bit. Yes, yeah, it's tough. To, it's become a very tough division. Which at the beginning of the year, we had no idea. I mean, we figured the Lions would probably win the division based off of what they did last year and mm-hmm. what they were building towards. I don't see them going away anytime soon. The no. Packers are on the come up. The Bears will be the Bears, so I'm not worried about them. I don't know what the Vikings are going to do with Kirk Cousins, but if they bring him back, yeah. they're still going to be in the mix. Yeah, that's going to be fascinating to watch what the Vikings do with Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins. So, so the Buccaneers. If we could transition here, to the, so we're talking about the losers from over the weekend. The Buccaneers should probably give Baker Mayfield a two-year deal. He earned the spot, well liked. That doesn't prevent you from finding a quarterback in the draft if you want to go that route. But it's a, it's kind of an, the Bucks are kind of stuck. A bridge. They really do have the best roster in the NFC South. Mm-hmm. They just needed somebody to have that transition go smoothly at quarterback and they Baker Mayfield to his credit he he earned that role he earned the starting job he played well this year and because they played in such a dog bleep division they wound up making it I just wonder because Mike Evans is up yeah now, that, that's a they, they've got some they're starting to become an older roster 
but I don't know what you do immediately. There, I thought maybe this year would be a bit of a rebuild, but you couldn't rebuild. You had Chris Godwin under contract, Mike mm-hmm. Evans still for another year. Uh, some of the def- defense players like Levante David. I mean, you get you got some guys there that are good enough to obviously win nine games and get you to the playoffs, but yet long term, you're not Houston, you're not Green Bay, right? They don't fall into that category. All pro uh, safety Antoine Winfield Jr. is a free agent as well. There so you go. They, so they, they got are, some big time decisions. They got some names that they got to figure out what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. And then Buffalo. We talked about Buffalo earlier. The Bills, to me, after losing all those guys defensively. You have to stockpile now. You have to build a defense that can win in the playoffs. The teams that you played on, Kerry, those Pittsburgh teams built for the playoffs. Yeah. This Baltimore defense built for the playoffs. Physicality, pass rush, they tackle well. Buffalo, to me, I know we got into it, and you're right, Kerry. I think both things can be true. When you have Josh Allen getting the ball back, four and a half minutes left, you have two goals. Score. Leave no time on the on the yeah. on the clock for Mahomes. Yeah, I would have been That's okay. But I that defense been okay. couldn't get off the field last night. Yeah, I would have been okay with them kicking a field goal and not having much time left on the clock. Right. Like, but the clock management was the most important part for me. Don't give that man the ball back. At least have the game tied or you up, but don't give him the ball back yeah. with enough time for him to go down and score. Mm-hmm. And they didn't do it. No. You see them making a coaching change? I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Although it is interesting, you you look at so the Patriots went with Gerard Mayo, the Raiders went with Antonio Pierce. Mm-hmm. You still have Belichick, Vrabel, Harbaugh, Ben Johnson, Mike McDonald, who's who's quickly becoming a name now because of what he's done with that Ravens defense. They're, Raheem Morris yeah. deserves another head coaching job. There are probably some teams waiting on Ben Johnson, waiting for them to. Absolutely. Figure out, finish their season, and and before they go forward, I thought I saw that John Har- Jim Harbaugh was actually meeting with the Chargers again. Mm-hmm. Uh, so maybe there's something there in terms of what happens with him. Maybe that's one less spot available. But I think a lot of these teams are going to wait till the end of the playoffs because you said Baltimore is still in, Detroit is still in to see if those guys are available and, yeah. and are willing and ready to accept that role. And we talk about some organizations having the coach that gets them to a certain spot, but you just cannot get over the hump with that coach. You bring in another coach, and that coach is the one that can ultimately get it done. It reminds yeah. me of the Blues. Mm-hmm. The Blues with Ken Hitchcock. He built them back to being relevant again. Yeah. And then, he, but he wasn't the guy to get it done. It was right. Craig Berube. Yeah, he almost. Yeah, you're right. He he re, he built it. And then he needed somebody else to come in and just kind of put the tweak th- some things. Yep, tweak some things. Put the final final touches on it. It's Fastlane on 101 ESPN. Marsh was listening to, I believe, a hockey podcast, and they started talking about a subject that applies to all sports. We'll tell you what that is next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fastlane podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. So, Marsh, I know you were listening to a podcast. I think it was a hockey, hockey-centric podcast, and they were talking about a subject that we all believe apply to other sports too. Yeah, I was listening to the uh, Live in Five podcast with Jordan Schmaltz, who actually used to play here in yeah. St. Louis for the Blues. Shout out Swish. And uh, they had Jason Demers, former NHL player, on the show talking about organizations 
specifically in the NHL on how they are being accustomed to losing. They're mm-hmm. learning how to lose, comparing those teams to teams that learn how to win. And it got me thinking about our Blues, our Cardinals, and I'm kind of concerned if that is the direction that they might be going in. But also we brought up Dan Campbell and what he has done with the Lions, an organization for years now that have learned how to lose. So, Kerry, you played in the NFL. You played mm-hmm. You played for different organizations. You won at the highest level. Do, did you feel as though, in, and it might have been in hindsight, but did you feel as though that Mike Tomlin – taught you guys to win and and what did he do specifically to get you guys to that point conversely in other when in other areas where do you think teams come up short everybody's trying to win yeah but but few do i think well mike walked into a great situation with the team that had just won a super bowl two years prior you know a lot of those guys were still there were still veterans so a lot of the information came from your peers in terms of what the playoffs were like, what a Super Bowl run was like, kind of what the expectations were. And it helped. You know, it helped having that veteran leadership in our locker room, and it helped having a coach that was young enough to to really buy in and understand, but also strong enough to insert himself in his, his plan and what he needed to do when he needed to do it. I think the hardest thing to do as a young team is is – not knowing how to get over that hump. And we talk about the Cardinals signing veteran players is to help younger players understand what it is to be a professional athlete, how to go about your day, the ins and outs. But the hardest part is actually being on that field and actually finding a way to win and get over that hump. And and it generally helps when you have veteran leadership, guys that have done it or or have had success in the past. If you're a young team, you know, it can work to your benefit or your or your failure or your failure because you know you don't know what you don't know, and and sometimes as a young team you're like, oh well, we'll be back here, and hell, you might not ever be back. Yeah. But it just having that good mix of veteran and and youth generally helps a team be what they need to be. Even in games, though, you know, when it, when it's crunch time, how do you? How do you learn how to close out games? Because like the Bills, we, do we've it. seen this. They they could do it in the regular season. They do it in the playoffs. There's other teams that I was, ta- I was like I said before, I was texting with a buddy who's a diehard Lions fan, and as soon as the Lions punted the ball back to the Bucks with a minute or whatever, there was this sense of dread because he had seen this before. Why is it that certain teams just can't figure out how to close close games out? I think it, until you actually do it, you don't know that you don't know the recipe or how to exactly get it done. You just have to you you have to find a way. That's what I'm saying with Buffalo. They had to find a way to score a touchdown on that final drive. Same thing a few years back when they did score that touchdown. How not to give up the three points to send the game into overtime? Like it's it's collectively playing on both sides, being able to to play the game the right way, both offensive, defense, and special teams, they did everything right, but the third phase didn't – the third phase failed them. They didn't kick the field goal and make it, but you can alleviate some of that by being the best player on the field in that moment is with what Josh Allen needed to be. He needed to be the best player on that field and lead his team down for a game-winning, go-ahead game-winning type of touchdown, and he just didn't do it. And I think until you actually – do that in both sides, all three sides collectively figure it out. It, it's it. There is no real recipe for how to get it done. I think on the flip side, 
Two, like you look at the Packers and Jordan Love, he makes a game-ending mistake, throwing the ball across his body up the middle. We've seen it before. We mentioned Brett Favre when he was with the Vikings doing it against the Saints, but that is a play early on in his career that he knows I cannot do that because that will cost me and the rest of my teammates the game. And now moving forward, he probably won't make that play anymore. Correct. And at some point, they're going to be in a similar situation in the playoffs, and now he knows what he needs to do in order to get the job done. Yeah. And some and some players they they just never figure it out. Right. It's just it's in, it's interesting to me. And you could you could do this with any sport. Dallas, you know they're going to come up short. Buffalo, you know they're going to come up short. There's just certain fan bases that just it's it's in their DNA at this point. We're not even talking about teams making or losing the playoff in the playoffs. Could be the Jets. The Jets. You mm-hmm. just know. You know that. Well, you don't know, but you know that Aaron Rodgers is going to snap his Achilles in the in the, <sighs> in the first this. in the first game, and you're going to be uh, destined to lose. Something bad, mm. in other words. Something bad's going to happen because <laughs> you're the Jets. Because you're the Jets. <sighs> oh, that sucks. There's just certain there's just certain or certain organizations in sports that exist purely for the entertainment of others. Yeah, like the Browns exist. Yeah, the Cleveland Guardians exist. It used to be the Cubs. They found a way to get over the hump. Sure, for like three years or so. They did. They did. But, I mean, they got it, right? Mm -hmm. I don't think anybody, especially in this city, one, did not want them to win. Right. And two, just didn't think they could do it because they were the quote-unquote lovable losers. But they brought in Joe Madden. He changed that culture. Mm -hmm. Much like Dan Campbell has changed the culture of the Lions here this season. Not only this season, but... You know, in previous seasons as well. We got our sports six pack coming up next. So if you got a question for us, you can send it to the Air Comfort Service text line. I'd love to chime in about anything you want to discuss today. We'll answer those questions here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Kind of chime in a little bit more on the Air Comfort Service tax line uh, for questions for the Sports Six Pack. We'll do that in the five o'clock hour. We'll also revisit the Tommy Edmond conversation coming up at five. So Sports Six Pack will actually hold off on. You know, one thing we we were asking questions. Uh, I'm sorry, we were um, responding to to criticisms earlier in the show, and uh, I actually completely threw out the one segment we were going to do earlier, guys. I think, and I just saw Josh Ennis uh, for our. He does the show right next to us on Casey, our sister our sister station, and he was saying, you know, is the NFL going to allow the Chiefs to to lose this weekend, indicating that the NFL <sighs> wants to see the Chiefs Aye. in it again? I, Patrick Mahomes is a is a god. I don't know what to tell you. He's a football he's a football god. However, this Baltimore Ravens team has the fewest weaknesses of the four teams. I, I understand. I'm not saying like if you're a Chiefs fan, right? Like, oh, you don't give the Chiefs a chance. I'm not saying that. They what I am saying is the Ravens have the fewest weaknesses of the four remaining teams. They are a pretty good damn team. The Lions have def- as much as we we all love Dan Campbell, 
the Lions have issues in their defensive backfield. The 49ers, apparently Debo Samuel's 50-50 right now to play at the start of the week. He's dealing with a lot of pain. If he doesn't play the 49ers offense, well, we saw them look a hell of a lot different on Saturday. Mm-hmm. And don't tell me that Kyle Shanahan can't adjust if Debo Samuel is out in the middle of a game. You know, like, oh, they lost Debo Samuel. What do you want them to do? I want them to adjust because you're that good. But without him, they have issues. I think the 49ers defense isn't as good as we've been propping it up to be. I think Green Bay exposed some things over the weekend. And the Chiefs, well, we've talked about their issues, issues at receiver, issues at, you know, even even defensively. Mm-hmm. The Bills were pushing, Marsh brought up a good point. They were pushing them around. Buffalo was pushing them around the running game. The Ravens, though, if you circle back to them, the only thing we kind of hear is, well, who's their running back, and can Lamar win in the playoffs? Well, Lamar's rewriting his playoff narrative right now. Lamar played a hell of a game he over was, the weekend. Four total touchdowns, two passing, two rushing, had 100 yards rushing. I mean, he, he pulled the Bo Jackson running up the tunnel. Give me, yeah. Yeah. That, that does something for me. And I told you earlier, watching that team and how they respond to him, I think they are the best team that's left in the playoffs of the four. And they are the, the best complete team, as you said. When people talk about, uh, is the NFL going to allow, like this this notion, I know the NFL did the whole scripted thing, it's funny, ha, ha, ha. But people really believe that. People really believe you can get 50 men in a locker room to agree to throw a game. Mm-hmm. If a teammate came to me and said, I need, I, the wor- I'd probably punch him in his throat. All right, I, shoeless Joe. Yeah, I probably I'm just kidding. He probably wasn't a part of, of that. <laughs> the hell out of my face, would you? I think there's I, enough time has passed. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, you think we kind of got the? You know, I don't want. Right. I don't talk bad about shoeless Joe, oh, and right. chalk, yeah, and, you know right. all those other great. Yeah, you don't want to do that. Great names, exactly. I, I just think that the Baltimore Ravens, if they're completely healthy, which Mark Andrews was knocking on the door for return last week, mm-hmm. and he's their best receiver. Isaiah Likely has done a great job. I, I love what he's been able to do since Mark Andrews has been out. Marlon Humphrey possibly being back. Like that team, when they're completely healthy, Ronald Stanley is playing the entire game. There were times during the season where he would take series off and wouldn't play in a series. So this team has has just kind of gradually throughout the season gotten healthier, been able to do all of the things that they need to do. And I think it's going to be a great game, but I think Baltimore wins this game circling back though to the the whole the nfl is it's scripted and all that rigged look at the super bowl logo anthony i thought it was so funny if you go through if you go through social media i in one like one moment i saw see this is the nfl it's rigged it's scripted it's gonna be chiefs lions if you scroll up a little bit it's like see the nfl is rigged it's 49ers (laughs) and ravens All right. It's like well, I told you all, we were talking about it earlier. The guy that t- two people texted in, Kerry Davis's laugh is so annoying. And then the right text right after that, man, I love it when Kerry's laughing all the time. Yeah. Like you, eh, you can't you're win. Never gonna please everybody. No, but I do think the Raven. I think the Ravens are the, mo- the the most complete team with the fewest weaknesses. And if I were to make a prediction right now, I mean, it's it, it is difficult to bet against the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. You saw that again last night. Still, I got the Ravens winning it all. Maybe so. We were talking earlier about Josh Allen being like that Peyton Manning. Now the the Chiefs and the Ravens haven't they haven't met up in the playoffs with these two. Like this yeah. iteration of the Chiefs and the Ravens, these guys haven't met up yet. I wonder if this 
is that matchup where Lamar needs home field advantage to take down Patrick Mahomes, a.k.a. the Tom Brady yeah. of this era of football. I wonder if that is a matchup, and we thought it would be the Bills and Chiefs. Mm-hmm. This is the matchup that Lamar needed because this is the first time the Ravens are hosting a, an AFC championship game, and I believe in their entire like organization's history. That that also goes to show you how how tested Baltimore is that they can go on the road and it's mm-hmm. no problem. And they did that this year. They went out to San Francisco, no problem. Mostly been, no, they, mostly yeah. no okay, problem. Thank you. Yeah, you guys got them too. We beat the hell out of those guys. Yes, three times. Did you beat them in the playoffs three times? We beat them three times that year. Oh, that year. Yeah. Everyone said it was impossible. They're gonna lose to the Chiefs. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> I think they're gonna beat up on the Chiefs, man. I think they're gonna do. I think they're going to do. I think they're going to have a really good game. It's going to be a great game. It's going to be a fun game to watch. I mean, Mahomes isn't going to get blown out. He's just not. He's not going to get blown out. That Chiefs defense is too good to get blown out. It's going to be a great game. After him, though, if they can get and put pressure on him, make him uncomfortable in the pocket, I think that secondary. There are times you saw yesterday, I saw over the weekend, where Patrick Mahomes just didn't have. It just. If you get after him and force him to hold on to the ball and can cover downfield. You can beat the you can beat the Kansas City Chiefs. Mm-hmm. That's the recipe. We saw it years a few years back when Cincinnati beat him. They rushed three, forced him to stand in the pocket and cover, dropped eight, and they made life hell on him. Not not saying do that. You know, add some pressure here and there. But if you can force him to hold on to the ball, not get the ball out timely in a timely manner, they're they are a they are easier to beat than when he's able to get the ball to his receivers quickly. All right, let's get back into the Tommy Edmond news. Tommy Edmond signed a two-year contract extension today to avoid arbitration for the Cardinals. This is somebody the Cardinals absolutely need if they're going to surprise people this year, CD. That's next on 101 ESPN. BK and Ferrario are asking their listeners. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. news that Tommy Edmond signed a two-year contract extension to avoid arbitration with the Cardinals. Excellent news. Tommy Edmond is somebody that the, this team absolutely needs. He was their best center fielder, wound up being the best center fielder last year. They need him back in center fields. And you got that middle of the diamond ready to go, Kerry. Yeah. You have Brennan Donovan playing second base. You got Mason Wynn at short. And of course, you got Tommy Edmond in center. Not to mention the guys on the... Uh, the corners. Mm-hmm. This defense for the Cardinals is going to be solid next season. Well, I, is Brendan Donovan able to throw yet? He will be. Okay. Is Nolan Gorman? Is his? Uh, he, he's not your everyday second baseman. Gorman, I think he's your everyday be, DH. He, he's he's mostly a DH. I'd let him face lefties. Any concern? Not every time, but about Tommy Edmonds' injury and the 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 arm strength was a bit of concern for me. Mm-hmm. Any concern there for you? I think he has an adequate arm. I don't think you need to have the 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 best arm in center field. It's just you got to cover you got to cover the gaps. Mm-hmm. You got to make plays out there. You got to you got to limit extra base hits. I don't think the arm will be that big of a deal. What like, is Tommy Edmond batting the lineup for you? Um, probably. I think Mason Wynn should bat ninth. Okay. So Tommy Edmond, probably 
seventh or eighth. Is you any concern about the back half of the lineup? Because front half should be decent, right? Should be pretty decent. You got who? You got Lars leading off. Yeah, Lars. And then who's who's Goldie? We're doing a lineup game. Yeah, I would like to. All right, Newt. So Newt, yeah, Newt's leading off. Then Goldie. Okay. And then, then uh, who's batting third for this lineup? I think Nolan Gorman. Then Nolan Arenado, you go left, right, left, right. Gorman, Arenado, Contreras. Jordan Walker. Walker. Edmund. Donovan. We need a second baseman, don't you? Yeah. Well, or Gorman. Uh, yeah. I didn't mean to throw this at you just out Donovan, of nowhere. Donovan. Just interesting. <clears throat> just intrigued by, you know, how – Tommy Edmonds, how Tommy Edmonds obviously helps this team. You know, at center field, I think he did a great job. But I told you all, I thought he, I think he's a better second baseman than uh, than center fielder. But you would have to have a better center fielder to play that position if mm-hmm. you wanted to have the best defensive lineup on the field. Well, every you, single day. So let's let's explore that though, Kerry. When you're when you're taking out, so you want Dylan Carlson in the lineup, basically, right? Uh, you want Dylan if Carlson. Dylan Carlson would just bat right-handed. Okay, but let's just say so you've been because you've been talking about this. Dylan Carlson plays center field. Who are you taking out then? Because you have to take out Gorman or Donovan. You're probably taking out Brendan Donovan. Do you want to take out Brendan Donovan with his ability to give you? Brendan Donovan is a is a Gold Glove utility winner, correct? Mm -hmm. Which means he plays everything. I mean, he has five gloves when he comes to the ballpark because he's in, might have a catcher's mitt as well in there. I don't know. He's going to play everything. Mm-hmm. And so Paul Goldschmidt's going to need a day off. Nolan Arenado's going to need a day off. It, Lars Newtbar is going to need a day off. So you just have him, you just have him basically bounce around. He Which would is be fine. the guy. That's fine. If you have to have – if you, if you want to play the game where guys have to be – um, have be able to play multiple positions. You don't need five guys that can play multiple positions. You can have one guy, one or two, mm-hmm. that are able to bounce around and play multiple positions. And I think if Brendan Brendan Donovan is that guy and already proven that he can be that guy, why not? He can still play 110, 112 games by filling in for guys that need a day off or guys that get injured. But you don't have to shuffle everyone else around to do that. That's just my opinion. I, to me, I don't need Dylan Carlson in this lineup. He's fine being the fourth outfielder. Yeah. I don't need to put him well, in. Where's Alec Burleson? He's your. Well, then he's if he's your fifth. He's your bat off the bench. If you need a, you need that lefty Matt righty. Matt Carpenter. Matt Carpenter <laughs> is is there for veteran leadership. So, what I'm saying is, I don't <laughs> I don't need Dylan Carlson to. I I don't I don't want to force him into the lineup when I don't need to just to give mm-hmm. him at bats. Yeah. When his bats, they will come. Like, they will come. But I don't want to just start mixing and matching. This went back to our last conversation. We're, it sounds like we're already mixing and matching players. We're doing what we said we didn't like. Oh, to blame Gary. Gary yeah, wants Dylan Carlson. To, Dylan Carlson, you want Dylan Carlson in the no, no, I want he Tommy wants Edmund at second base. Which means you're going to have to take out Donovan or Gorman. Okay. I just I don't to get Dylan Carlson to play center field. Okay. I think one one thing that we're missing here too that we're not talking about is how how much is Wilson Contreras going to be behind the plate? A lot. In your uh, given given your seven day stretch 
throughout the remain like throughout the whole season, how many days of each week will he be behind the plate and not taking up the DH role? Because then there's two players mm-hmm. essentially that you're knocking out. So you play six games a week, right? My most most weeks you play six games. You're either off Monday or Thursday. So out of those six games, Contreras is behind the dish four times and he's DH he's DH and twice. Twice. Yeah, he's your best hitter last year. From WRC Plus, Wilson Contreras is your best hitter, 127. Right, I understand that. Like, So you have, want that back yeah, in the lineup? Yeah, you want him in the lineup, absolutely. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying yeah, there's going to be some days, obviously, he gets rest, but he's probably going to catch four games out of the six each week and play and have two DH. So then who do you take out? If you don't have Wilson Contreras behind the plate, he's DHing, who, who are you taking out? Gorman or anybody that, you know, Gorman, Donovan, anybody that needs a rest that day? It's going to be intriguing. To see, because I think you have, there is a, you hit the nail on the head earlier when you said uh, jack of all trade, master of few. Like, that is essentially what this team is. You got a couple of masters, and those two are at the corners, yeah. right? Those two are your guys that you know, you don't have to think about it. <laughs> I know where you, I know where Paul Goldsmith's going to be, and I know where Nolan Arenado is going to be. And mm-hmm. that's essentially it. And I think when you are really, really great at your craft you don't have to be multiple you do because i learned quickly yeah jack of all trades is a wonderful thing until you ain't a master at the one they need you at in that moment right Good then call. they go find a master for that position like, hey, yep. but i can do it all and we don't need a guy to do it all <laughs> i need a guy that can do that right now <laughs> and do it well <laughs> well I, I can do it you don't do it as well as him yeah and so that becomes the problem so are we okay with mixing and matching if it's just Brendan Donovan, who's the guy that is bouncing around the field? Because we talked about it earlier. One guy, you, you can be you can be fine with that. Like Ben, yeah. Zob- ben Zobrist was a perfect example of that and mm-hmm. was on some great teams. But that's when you start moving Tommy Edmond to second. You move Lars to right or center or wherever. And then, you know, that is where I think you start to get in the weeds a little bit. So are we yeah. just cool on Brendan Donovan? Being that guy, yeah, it kind of goes. It kind of goes to what that you know the texter earlier was complaining about us not you know not mentioned Skip Schumacher and he moved positions and every everything was you know great. He moved positions, but he stayed there. He he wasn't a super utility guy, and he wasn't a super utility guy among three super utility guys. I, I want a more stagnant lineup. That's that's what I'm hoping for. But Brennan Donovan can be that Ben Zobris type where he's moving around to give guys days off or maybe the matchup isn't great. I think I think Nolan Gorman facing lefties more and more is good. If you want to be a full-time player eventually, great. But he also doesn't need to face the nastiest left-handers in the game. That is a, that is a day he can be a bench bat, and Donovan can kind of bounce around as needed. I'm good with one guy being a super utility guy, and I think you will get a more stagnant lineup. Mason Wynn, Mason Wynn being your everyday shortstop is going to provide you with a more stagnant lineup. Jordan Walker is going to be in the outfield. Newt's going to be in the outfield. Edmund, when, you know, provided he's healthy, he's going to be your center fielder. I don't think there's going to be a lot of moving around, quite frankly. You're not going to move Gord, uh, uh, Arenado. You're not going to move Goldschmidt. I think we will see it. You have to have good play. Like Randy texted us earlier and he said, let me get this text up. He talked about the Cubs and he said, it's like Madden moving Bryant, Zobrist, and Listella around. Or the Dodgers, Muncie, Turner, Hernandez, Chris Taylor. Those are all guys that could play. You know, Those are all guys that you know you knew, all right, these are solid players. They're going to be playing every day. They might not be in the same exact spots, but they, they can play. 
based on the matchup, based on getting another guy in, I'm good with move a little bit of movement. But I think you need a stagnant lineup where you're not worried about constantly. We're going to get Alec Burleson in. Who cares? Nothing against Alec Burleson, but let him be a bench bat. Well, that's the problem because they feel like he needs reps. He needs not everybody muscle, can play. Much not like everybody Dylan can start. Carlson. Well, maybe that's the problem. Maybe the Cardinals have too many upside. They have too many guys with sure. upside. Dylan Carlson right? and, and but they have not traded any of them to go get a starting pitcher, right? <laughs> or right. a relief pitcher. I think those guys. Not everybody can start. Other than Richie Palacios, who wasn't even on the team to start the season last year, that's the one guy they got rid of. Right. And got your pitcher. And for, for sure, Kittridge. Kittridge. Very good. So you're fired up. I just, I can't, I just want the, the. Let's get through. Let's just get through the the NFL playoffs, <laughs> and and then can we? Let's just fast forward through February because I don't like that month. Like I just don't like February. <laughs> like what's going on in February? It's like the the my son's birthday. Yeah. Okay. My wife's birthday. There you go. My mother-in-law's birthday. There you go. Like let's get to March, Anthony. We got we got the tournament, baby. We got some college basketball, Baseball. spring training. We got Marsh's birthday, my birthday, we your got birthday, Carrie's birthday, my Carrie's birthday, birthday, and Jamie's Jamie's birthday. birthday. Oh. Great month. Yeah. Great. Like let's just fast forward. St. Patrick's forward. Day. Yeah. Great. Like you said, the tournament. All right, I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> like, let's let's get through the Super Bowl and Mardi Gras, and then we can just fast forward. I don't like. I can't wait for the season to start so then we yeah. can actually see this team in action, baby. In action. You know? NL Central Champs. And then once they start playing great in the month of April, unlike last year, we can give them some credit and stop whining about them. Good call, Marcia. I like I'm that. that. I'm, I'm with that, too. 314-399-9646, the Air Comfort Service tax line. So if you have a question for us, we are going to do our Sports 6 back next. Back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. I have a question. It's time for the Fast Lane to answer your sports questions. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. Asking me all these weird questions. Answer the question. Answer the question. Answer me. The Sports Six Pack is now. With Super Bowl champion Kerry Davis, I'm Anthony Stalter. Here's Andrew Marsh with your questions to the Air Comfort Service text line. Still time to get some in if you'd like. 314-399-9646. Marsh, go. Question number one. All right, from the 618, Tommy Edmond now becomes better trade bait since he's under contract. Do you guys agree with that? Do you think Tommy Edmond, now that he is set in stone, he has a contract, does he now become better trade bait? Uh, he was under, but he had arbitration still, right? He had, he had yeah. at least another year or two of arbitration. Isn't that correct? So he, he essentially was still kind of under contract. I don't know if he becomes more valuable in that scenario. I think teams kind of know what what value Tommy Edmond has. I just don't know what, what the proper what the proper trade package would be in return for the Cardinals. Like if you're if you're the Cardinals and let's just say you're entertaining trading Tommy Edmond, you want pitching. Okay, great. What kind of pitching? He's not gonna net you an ace. Not not alone. No, you're gonna have to put together a larger package. Yeah, I don't think they have any plans on trading um Tommy Edmond. I think this is done because they truly believe he's their center fielder for this year and maybe for next year, depending on how soon or how well, how fast Victor Scott uh, comes along. Mm-hmm. I, I don't see the Cardinals really making any more splash moves going forward. I think 
the roster that they have, the addition of Matt Carpenter that they just made a couple of days ago. I think they're set and solidified in what they have going into spring training and will trust that this roster will allow them to be in a position to maybe make a move at the trade deadline to get better if they're trying to get over the hump or if they're trying to stay where they are and solidify their spot at the top of the uh, the division, you know, they'll do that. He did have two more years of arbitration, so this upcoming season and then 2025. Is that, so, so signing the contract? It buys out the arbitration. Yeah, it yeah. buys out their arbitration. But teams, if they were to acquire him, they would essentially still have Tommy Edmond on their terms. It's just a fact of whether or not they go to arbitration. Yeah. The real question is going to be in two years when he becomes an unrestricted free agent at 31, what the conversation is like. Do you you know, on what he does over the next two years. Sure. If he's the same guy as what he's been over the last couple of years, then maybe it's a modest contract extension and you just kind of go from there, you know, two years at a time or something like that. But Mm. Tommy Edmond, I think, has a lot of value to the Cardinals. I don't know if he's somebody that's necessarily sought after by other teams. I think he has more value for the Cardinals than he would for a lot of other teams that might feel as though they have their own Tommy Edmond. Yeah. Question number two. From the 217, should poor weather cities NFL poor weather cities uh in the NFL, should those teams prioritize getting a top tier kicker? Oh. I think all teams should prioritize a top tier kicker. These games are close. Whether it's playoffs or regular, I mean, how many games are decided in the regular season by 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 a field goal or a missed field goal or one by one possession? I think having a reliable kicker is important. Is a weapon. I mean, you look at the you look at the Packers; they had an unreliable kicker. Otherwise, that team coming into the playoffs was young and exciting. They pull off the upset in Dallas. Very easily could have pulled pulled off the upset in San Francisco. But then they have an unreliable kicker. He misses He misses a kick that, at the very least, could have had them going to overtime instead of losing the game. Yeah. I think it, I think it matters. I don't know if people are, are going to prioritize it in the in the way that they probably should. You know, I think the the Raiders, they got a punt. What, Sebastian Janikowski, they mm-hmm. drafted him in the they drafted him in the first round. First years. round. Yeah. Hey, you don't see that. He had a long that, career with them. He did have a, have, have a great career. But you don't see people prioritizing the kicking game. I, I hear coaches all the time talk about how important all three phases. We got to be good in all three phases. Yeah, but we really focus on offense. Really, because that kicker hasn't made one the last two games. I don't know if Lafleur even knew that. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, he, all three phases. The kickers missed thirteen kicks. That guy sir. stinks. What about him? Yeah. Hey, don't think, don't think we should uh, keep trotting him out there, coach. But it's interesting. You look at this AFC Championship game, and if the, if it comes down to and it. Probably will come down to the well, final seconds. Justin Tucker is the best kicker in the. Harrison Bucker's been outstanding yeah. too. Yeah, you got I, two take, great kickers. I take Justin Tucker every day of the week. Absolutely, because he's going to. Uh, he doesn't even. It's not even. It goes straight it's down. Not even the close. <laughs> Leave no he, doubt. When he missed the one. When did he miss? It was a Sunday or Monday night game that he missed the kick. I, I think I, about I remember. Fell, that. I about yeah, fell like, out whoa. of my my chair. What's this? I can't remember what game it was. It was toward the end of the year. Late late game Saturday like I said Sunday night Monday night game and he missed he missed a kick but it rarely happens. Did it hit the crossbar and then bounce back into play? Was it that one? Was it no. super close or you just completely no, missed it? No, he missed it. Yeah. Other oh, because no, like Kerry's saying normally it's it it is dead center. Yeah, it's high it, it, it's and dead beautiful. center. It is. 
like it's splitting the uprights. Like there's no there's no question of if it's close or not. That's good. Ball comes up from the it's moment high. it's kicked. Like it's, that's straight down the middle. It's beautiful. It is. Yep. You know who also is pretty good is uh, Brandon Aubrey, the Dallas Cowboys Dallas kicker. kicker. Yep, he was great. They got something in him mm-hmm. too. So, and good for him. He wasn't even a like a USFL. football player growing up. Yeah, yeah he, he went was to the a USFL. Soccer player, USFL for a couple of years. Good for him. I think he only missed one kick. It got blocked. That was in the was that in the playoffs or the game before? I think it was the game before that he missed one kick. Pretty sure. Yeah, it was. They played the Commanders. Commanders. He got blocked. Yeah, last game of the year. That's the only kick I think he missed all year. Hmm. It's pretty. By the way, he's uh he, he was born here in St. Louis. Really? Auburn yeah. was? Yeah. Then he moved to Texas. There's a ton of St. Louis kids in the in the NFL playoffs. Yeah, Kyron Williams, obviously Sam Laporta, who had a great Jameson game yesterday. Williams. Jameson Williams. Uh who else are we missing? Aubrey. There's somebody else. Ezekiel too. Elliott still. Yeah, why well, is the playoffs? Oh, you said playoffs. I yeah. thought you meant the NFL. So. No, just the playoffs. Question number three. From the Sorry, Carrie. <laughs> From the 314, why did the Tampa Bay Buccaneers not use their final timeout in yesterday's loss? So we were discussing this via text yesterday. <clears throat> and the way the clock was set up, they didn't have a chance to win the game. Now, they could have called a timeout and just been jerks on that third down play if they wanted to. They Maybe. had like 30 seconds left. Yeah, but... If they would have, if Detroit, Detroit actually should have done better, they probably should have done better with the clock. Yeah, they hiked the ball with like 15 it, yeah. seconds remaining on down. the play clock. But it, right. I think there was a gentleman's agreement that you can make across the field that, hey, we're not calling any timeouts. Go ahead. And you understand it. And so it, if they probably didn't have that understanding, Detroit probably takes more time and doesn't allow them to even have a second left. So right. I think it was an understanding that, that Todd Bowles was like, we're not going to. Because if they call the timeout earlier, you know, they still can't win the game. Right. You just make them snap it one more time. Yeah. So. Yeah. They, so to what to what we're talking about, Kerry, Kerry's right in that if they if, if the Buccaneers call the timeout right after the first first down play. Yeah. And there's like a minute 33 left. Still not. They could have they could have used the kneel downs to just completely yes. wipe away the clock and it wasn't going to matter. I'm yeah. making them kick a field goal. Your season is on the line. What do you have to lose? So, in that case, Gary, have you seen that before where the coach is kind of like... Yeah, it's kind of an understanding. Like, I, but, <laughs> I mean... Well, you could a, really fool somebody. As a, as a, yeah, I mean, you could. Yeah. I, We're not going to call the timeout. I actually did that in a high school game, and the referees got mad at me. Oh, the, really? The, the team, it was before halftime. It was 0-0. Like, and they started taking their knee and didn't manage the clock properly. And so I took a timeout. Because we still had enough time for them to punt it. And the referee was like, yeah, that's not a good. So first of all, I didn't tell you I wasn't going to call the timeout. Second of all, that ain't my job. It's mm-hmm. halftime. It's not the end of the game. Yeah. Like, And we're down and losing and have no chance to win. So, yeah, if it, it, depending on the scenario, I think the Tampa Bay Bucks could have called their timeout. Generally, you call it after the first down play mm-hmm. to make sure you're going to let them take a couple. But they had no way to win that game. I, I disagree. Like, I think that after you... the third down, yes, it changes. But if the, the first down, if they would have called it, they can't win the game. Now, if they'd have called it on third down, for sure, you're, you're being you're being a, a jerk. 
You're trying to win the game, though. Yeah, like that's are. on the lines no, for making it a is, dumb decision. No, that's a good. That's a good point. Tr- that, that is. That could be part of your strategy. You have thirty. Like if Todd Bowles is like, ah, all right, like we're not going to call the timeout. It yeah. doesn't matter. But then you see Dan Campbell hike and the team hike the yeah, ball with that's fifteen on the lines. seconds. You're right. That on is the on the lines. Clock. You're right. I'm like, oh my gosh. Yeah. I'm making them kick a field goal. Call the timeout. Be- Thirty-four seconds left. Call the. You know. Yeah. It's there's a chance that Badgley misses the field goal and you have the ball. In a spot where you can heave one up and potentially get a touchdown. Like, yeah. It's not like it's week seven right, so and you have the rest of the season. Sure. Like your well, season is on the line. You I'm should not take these timeouts the, into the offseason. If you're the Lions, you probably don't even Yeah, I wouldn't even kick a field goal. Like I'm I'm probably gonna punt it down, sky punt it. Yeah, well there you, you go. You gotta go ninety yards, ninety five yeah, yards with no blocked. touchdowns. I mean with no timeouts and need eight points. Still so, you I mean, could have tell but, that to the Tennessee Titans. Yeah. The Music City Miracle or whatever. Like, weirder things have happened in this game. Imagine if you do that, and then the story, and you score, and the story becomes, wow, the Lions, they have had all this crap happen to them in their organization. <laughs> mm-hmm. They mismanaged the clock at the end of the game. It was signed, sealed, and delivered to go to the NFC Championship game, and the and Buccaneers went down and miraculously miraculously scored mm-hmm. and then got the two-point conversion, tied the game, and then who knows what happens in overtime. Yeah. But, like, that happens. Like, you, you could have given yourself at least a chance. Now, the odds of it happening are slim to none. Right, but but you didn't even give yourself a chance. Yeah. And they didn't give themselves a chance either when they threw a fade on the two-point conversion play. I thought, I, oh <laughs> my gosh. Play? That's a good play. Mike um, Evans got to jump back into the DB. That's a pass interference call. They th- why, first of all, why are they going for it? I understand the because whole they, analytics yeah, tell you to. Yeah. Which, by the way, they're going for it. You know why, right? So if they get the— Yeah, if, if they can kick the field goal, then they win. Yeah. If, if they, they get the know, second touchdown. If they know— that they're going to go for two no matter what. That's actually the smarter play. But you have to you have to know that if I'm in that spot late in the game, where a two point play can win it for me, you have to just do it then. Yeah. So that you know what what you're going for at the end. So I'm okay with that. You just but didn't throw, like the play call. But throwing a fade. You're if you fade. throw a, a fade in the NFL at the goal line with the amount of creativity that you have in offenses, then you deserve your fade. You reap what you sow. And the Buccaneers reaped what they sow last night. No, I agree. You don't throw I, fades at the goal line. No, you yeah, don't. you make – I've been a, a big believer. If you make dumb decisions late in games, you don't mm-hmm. deserve to win, and yeah. I will not root for you to win. Amen. So. But you're right about the timeout. You're right. They kind of had it set up there. All right. I forgot what time it is. Game time. Game time. Who? All right. Um, <laughs> we'll, take a, we'll take a quick peek here. At the championship Sunday games, but really, Marsh Marsh asked us earlier, "What's the matchup that you're kind of hoping for in the Super Bowl?" We'll get to that next. Don't want to win ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's a fast lane on 101 ESPN. As Marsh just said, one of the things that he had thrown out there for us was what Super Bowl matchup are you most intrigued by? A conference championship this weekend. One, would you be disappointed with any matchup? Because I wouldn't. No. Marsh. I don't don't think so. Marsh would. I don't know. No. I'm not dis. I want to be disappointed. I'm just not as intrigued by three other matchups that we could have. What's the one you hate? 
okay, I don't hate this, <laughs> but the Ravens against the Lions. How I could you? Why? How could I just, you? I don't know. I don't, I, that doesn't intrigue me as much as Chiefs, Lions, Chiefs, 49ers, or Ravens, 49ers. Out of the four matchups, that actually would be my least favorite, too. Chief, I know the Lions, Ravens. Yeah, I know the Ravens. Why? Well, I know the Ravens took the 49ers behind the woodshed. Get the hell out of them. But they really destroyed the Lions earlier in the year. I mean, really beat them up. I could see Jared Goff, who has done nothing but like win and play well and all that. Just I say could you see don't the, like Jared. I could see the Ravens just eating him alive on Super Bowl Sunday. Just like the Patriots did when they held them to 0.0 touchdowns. Don't. In the most boring Super Bowl ever. Oh, my gosh. You're just going to disregard all the work that Jared Goff has done this year. And Amon Ross St. Brown being a number one receiver. He is their number one wide receiver. (laughs) He's an excellent receiver. He's not a number one receiver. I think that would be, I mean, listen, any matchup for me is, is going to be a good matchup. The Ravens beat the hell out of the, the 49ers. We talked about it at San Francisco. Now, they beat the 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 hell out of the, the uh, Lions as well, but that was at home. And so, you know, take that on the road, you know, in a neutral site. Maybe, maybe Detroit gives. And this, I think, is a different Detroit team than what they played, who yeah. they were at the beginning of They're the year. They were banged up, too. They, so, they are, they are the a little time. bit different. Um, but any matchup, I think, you know, I have picked the Ravens to be – in the uh, in the Super Bowl, as I did pick the uh, 49ers to be in the Super Bowl. So our picks, I think both we both picked that. Mm-hmm. Our, our picks are looking really good right now. Um, I don't know, but watching this 49ers team, what we talked about from last weekend, they don't give me a lot of excitement. Mm-hmm. They're a little bit of a concern for me. It happened quickly, too. Yeah. It really. did. It happened quickly. Yeah, it as soon as Debo Salmon went out, I thought to myself, this 49ers offense, which I couldn't wait to watch, looks different, feels different. Brock Purdy wiping off his his hand in the middle of a play, trying Dropping to get back. yeah, trying to get a grip. Yeah, just it, it it looked completely off. And Detroit can stop the run. Detroit's Detroit's going to be a handful for Christian McCaffrey. Not that he can't beat you or beat you in other ways, but as you mentioned before, Kyle Shanahan's offense operates best with a lead. Right, because then you just you feel like you're you're constantly behind. You're gasping for air. You can't do anything. But when the other team is leading, that's not an offense that is built to come back. They need to run the ball. I think so. I'm looking at it from like a storyline standpoint. And I think my favorite matchup would be the Lions and the Chiefs. Like it's the it's a rematch of the first game of the season. The very first game, the Lions beat the Chiefs, but the Chiefs, they don't have Travis Kelsey. They don't have Chris Jones, right? Mm-hmm. So no did the Taylor Lions, Swift. No Taylor Swift. Did they really beat the Chiefs, right? So we had that question, and then the Lions have proven that they're one of the best teams in the NFL. And I just like the idea of the Lions, who have won nothing in their entire history of their franchise. The way they do it is to beat the remain or the the uh, the defending Super Bowl champion to stop Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs from becoming the next dynasty in the NFL. We talked about dynasties a few weeks or yeah, a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. They would have their third Super Bowl in like what four or five years. I feel like that is the most compelling. Even though you do have the Ravens 49ers, the two top teams in the NFL from a standing standpoint, which would also be a rematch of the Joe Flacco, Colin Kaepernick Super Bowl. 
And then you also, again, you have the the 49ers and the Chiefs, which would be a rematch of the Super Bowl from a few years ago. So I feel like out of those four, those other three are more compelling than just Ravens-Lions. Even though the Lions are a feel-good story, Mm -hmm. and you have Lamar Jackson, who would be in his first Super Bowl. I'm, I'm. I want to see Lamar in the Super Bowl. I, I want to see that. I think, you know, they've played. They've been the most complete team. We talked about that earlier. He's done an outstanding job, and I, I you know, I don't want to negate anyone that earns the right to be in the Super Bowl, whether or not it's interesting or appealing to my eyes. <laughs> if the Lions go to San Francisco this weekend and beat the hell out of 49ers, or beat them by one point like they just beat the uh, the, the Rams a couple of weeks ago. Doesn't matter. If they win and get in, then they deserve it. And I'm okay with it. And I think the matchup is going to be I mean, there are storylines, no matter how you look at it. If it's Baltimore and and San Francisco, you got the rematch of the Super Bowl from a few years yep. back. If it's uh Baltimore and and the Lions, you got Jared Goff trying to redeem himself and finally win a Super Bowl when he couldn't do it right. when he was with the Rams and, and Lamar Jackson trying to win his first ever Super Bowl as well as potentially being named the MVP of the league. Can the MVP do it? There are there are plenty of storylines in Kansas City, Patrick Mahomes going back. It, it, I mean, Is it those played things out? write themselves. Uh, Patrick Mahomes? Yeah, them being in the Super Bowl, has that been played out? If they make it, no. Mm-hmm. If you don't like it, stop them. Yeah. Play better. I, if yeah, I could go it. to the Super Bowl every other year, what the hell? I'm. I don't give a damn what the yeah. people think. I like. I like teams though when they need to get over the hump. I like when they take down the team that just won. Mm-hmm. So like the 49ers, they've they've been here, right? They've been to the Super Bowl. They've been to the NFC Championship game. But Kyle Shanahan, they just can't get over that hump, right? We talk about the Bills not being able to get over the hump over. Uh, the Chiefs, right? They're a completely different position. This team is close, right? For them to get over the hump, to beat the Chiefs, finally, that that's very intriguing to me, as well as the Lions with their entire history. Yeah. But, I, I mean, you make a great point, Kerry. Like, I would love to see Lamar Jackson in the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. right? I would love to see them in the whole Jared Goff thing as well. Either way, I think we're going to get a good matchup. The, the, but, like I said, I don't hate Ravens-Lions, I just I don't find it as intriguing as the other matchups, yep. but I would not be upset if that was the matchup. I think that's fair. All right, we got bet the board and criticisms and compliments next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. anything from today's show you can always download the podcast at 101espn.com or on your 101 espn mobile app all brought to you by dobbs tire and auto centers gary davis andrew marsh anthony stalter jamie will be back with us for a couple of hours tomorrow before he's got to go cover the blues and the flames time for bet the board so boys (laughs) tough weekend this is this is harder than it looks it is (laughs) it is (laughs) I screwed up with the Niners over 30 and a half points. Oh, that what you took? Yeah. I know. Yeah. I mean, they then get they, 20. It's raining and Debo. Debo didn't play. They got 24. <laughs> oh, they got 24. You are almost there. Yeah, but not really. <laughs> you know when you're like, oh, that should have hit. Yeah. Nah. He didn't feel that one at no. all? No. Yeah. No. 
I didn't deserve that one. Uh, Carrie, you had somebody. Josh Allen over 220 and a half, I think. Passing, passing yards. Yard. No go. That's why I needed Tyler Bass to kick the field goal so they can go into <laughs> overtime and keep playing. <laughs> what are we doing? Bassy? <laughs> what a bass that guy. Marsh, what did you have? Yeah, I had the Slew Billikins oh, uh, yeah. to cover. That didn't happen. <laughs> oh, hmm. man. Jamie was the only one that hit. He's been doing pretty well. Yeah, he's doing really well. <laughs> he's doing really well. So, what did Jamie pick today, Marsh? Yeah, Jamie has the New Jersey Devils over the Vegas Golden Knights Ooh. at minus mm. 120 on the money line. That's interesting. Kinda, you know, he likes the Knights, so he's going against risky. them tonight. All right. All right. Yeah. You know, I'm looking at this. I, I'm going to take the Boston Celtics over. They're minus 134 on the, uh, on the money line. Versus the uh, Dallas Mavericks. All right. I take Come on. Well, Jason, Jason Tatum Come himself. Come on, Jason. Huh? Let's go. Get her done. Marsh? You know, I was looking at this uh, Coyotes-Penguins matchup, and the Penguins head-to-head. Man, the last uh, five matchups the Penguins have won, but they're at the Mullet Arena tonight. Uh-oh. Give me the Arizona Coyotes upset tonight over the penguins wow so i was looking at the penguins coyotes matchup and in the last six times these two teams faced the penguins have scored at least four goals yeah so i'm gonna take the over oh for the penguins team total which is three and a half at plus 108 so marsh you and i are tied to that game tonight man there you we can go. win coyotes can win they can win five to four yeah they can win six to five hell they can win seven to five I don't care. <laughs> I just need the Penguins to score more than yeah, four. They need to score more, uh, four more, more goals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Look. there you have it. As to you, Thank Gary. You, sir. All right, Marsh, what do you got? Yeah, from the uh, 618, Ranthony, the end of the saying is Jack of all trades, master of none, is better than a master of one. Nobody remembers that last part. Ah, who the hell heard Get that? Get out of here. thank you by the way I actually really hadn't heard that yeah that's all you got wow that's all you got so that's all we got yeah we can get to our three stars though let's do it all right, so this is from the Snake Pit. Shout out to the Snake Pit. Yeah, we love those guys and yeah, gals. We do. Our third star of the day goes to Marsh's positive spin on the Cardinals. Nice job, Marsh. There we go. I there think that's my go. second star I've had nice. so far. That's awesome. Well done. Uh, our second star goes to Ranthony's whiny ass. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. Now, does Ranthony whine or just Anthony? It's Ranthony. When, when Ranthony, Ranthony shows up, he's, we kind of move stuff out of the way so you can. I've heard him. I don't think he whines. So he I think he's I very think he direct. He's, he's very passionate and yep. believes in what he's saying. No doubt. And you stay the hell away from him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, backed up. up. <laughs> Our first star of the day, January 22nd, right here in the fast lane. Got to give it to the Snake Pit. They've been with us all day long. Yeah, They're having conversations inside the chat that have nothing to do with our show. I love, we love it. it. By the way, absolutely well nothing to do with the show, but they've been having a good time, probably drinking some man sodas throughout the day. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of them did not go to work today, nice. so they've just they've been, just been hanging, out. hanging out. I love it. I love it. Nice job. Stay safe out there. Absolutely. I think I think we're pretty much the only ones on the road oh, heading okay. home here. All right. 
they say yeah, to I us. Yeah, I think I yeah. may have saw like five <laughs> cars on my way to work today. Yeah, it was empty on 270. It's nice. Stay safe to us. Yes. On the way home. <laughs> All right, so there you go. There you have it. We got Blues and Flames tomorrow night. Pre-game starting at 7 o'clock again. Jamie will join us for a couple of hours in tomorrow's show. I think 3 to 5. He's got some weird schedule tomorrow. 3 to 5. Yeah, late game tomorrow on the West Coast. All three all three of these games are, are super important. All three of them coming up. You have the Flames, you have the Canucks, and you have the Kraken. They're all above you in the standings. This yep. is a huge stretch for the Blues. We talked about last week or the the a couple weeks ago, that stretch being tough with the Eastern Conference teams. That was a tough stretch, but this is, in my opinion, probably a more critical stretch in terms of where they're at in the standings. They got to figure this out here. They got to they got to get on a roll. That would help. They got to get on a roll if they want to make it to the playoffs. They should it, it's, definitely do that. It's weird. So the power play has improved a little bit. All right, mm-hmm. cool. They got that going, but then something else happens. It's like this trapdoor scenario for this Blues team. Is it is it a trapdoor? Is it like the 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 floor, the, the trap floor? Ooh. Like when you're walking and don't just... I thought that's what it was. Is, is it, it called a, a trap door? Is that the same thing? Even though it's... I thought the trap door was when you pull the book back and it opens up into a different room. No, that's uh Is that a... That's a secret room. Secret that's a secret room. room. Oh, so yeah. you are right. The yeah, trap, trap door. door. Yeah. It just fall. Boy, you had me questioning things. I was things. wondering. I wasn't sure. Yeah. That was like this I, whole I, 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 master I, I, of none thing. Yeah, I don't know about that one. Master of puppets. That. Have you yeah. seen the, uh, the meme? It's like the Grim Reaper and he's going up to yes. each... We'll call it the trap door. Those doors and he's knocking on the door. Yep. That's what I want to see out of this Blues team. The next three games against these Western Conference teams in the Pacific, I want them knocking on the door and taking them out. I like that, Marsh. So. I like your passion. I like your fire. I like your drive. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we'll be back tomorrow right here on these airwaves, 101 to ESPN. Some Blues, some Cardinals, some conference championships. When are these head coaches going to be hired too? I was expecting a little bit more. Yeah, I think they're waiting till the football season ends. Well, Belichick doesn't need to be waiting. Harbaugh, Vrabel. I don't know. Vrabel is going to be, might be looking. Might still be standing when the music stops. You think so? Possibly. No. Yeah, I don't know. All right, that'll do it for us. <laughs> Kerry Davis, Andrew Marshall, Anthony Stalter. Thank you for everybody listening. We'll see you tomorrow at 2 o'clock. See you. You've been listening to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.